Now, what do you say after that would be the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> At least you put the scream on it. That's warranted. I, yeah, that's going to be our breaks in between the media matchup. Let's play the real open now. <laughs> <laughs> Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I'm I'm okay, but let me ask you because I know, and I'm full disclosure. I normally listen to you and Greg. I I didn't listen to anything, nothing. The only Bears talk I've had has been with the other Dan and Sanjan, little Jay, little you here or there in text. I've avoided all of it for two days because I was so down after that game. Although I was happy that the Bears continued to at least try to score. I know they'll say it was garbage time, but at least they didn't quit, you know? But my question to you is, because you've been immersed in this, where are you? Where are you? How's your mindset? Like, you haven't had a break from this. So, at least I, I took a couple of days off. Yeah, I, uh, I you're right. I have been immersed in this. And you know what? On Sunday after the game, or, or actually during the game, it, it got to the point where I started to laugh at what at the absurdity of what we were watching you know clearly we all knew the bears were going to lose against the kansas city chiefs and that is one thing that i hate i rarely 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 expect a loss my hope level is so high that i don't even want to think about that but in in that case i was thinking you know we're probably going to lose but as the game wore on and we looked so inefficient i started to laugh at how poorly we played and that kind of attitude has permeated throughout my being for the last several days i'm just 
laughing and seeing how bad can this get. Although I do think that you're going to be in town this week. I know this. I know this for a fact. You're going to be in town, and I think you're going to witness a victory. Oh my God! Can I get a win, please? Just one. We're, <laughs> we're one. What's your we're record? One and nine. Oh my God! I thought it was one and seven or something like that. No, no, actually, it's one and eight. I'm sorry. This is okay. the tenth game. This is the tenth game of my lifetime, and we're <laughs> oh one God. and eight. Can Jeez. this? I I'm wearing the same Bears hat today that we wore the day that the Bears got the win in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like get some. Do you ever do that? Like, like I don't know if this is luck or I'm like yeah. maybe this will rub off. But I also had this same hat on when we lost to Pittsburgh in 2021. So I'm not going to wear it game day. But I'm like, just give me some mo- something. Give please, just give me luck. Yeah. See, my memory isn't that good for me to remember what I was wearing when the Bears won a big game or something like that. But I one of the uh, superstitious things that I do is I'm going to wear one of my new Bears. Uh, shirts or jerseys or whatever it is for this game for good luck mm. never works i need to stop buying <laughs> new stuff wear the old stuff <laughs> yeah i don't know what to do at this point do i wear a t-shirt do i wear a jersey do i go with a hat without a hat like that's the kind of crazy shit that i start to contemplate when the bears are losing yeah. i'm like is there some way i can affect this i know rationally there's not but for some reason, I put myself through this, like to where I'm literally okay. But what if I wear this pair of shorts and that jersey? You know, like sure. is anybody else superstitious like that? Well, I bet a lot of people in the chat room are. I bet we'll we'll collect some of those responses as they come. And by the way, in terms of what you'll be wearing, I think the weather forecast should dictate a little bit of what you should wear. So let's take a quick look at the weather. Oh yeah, let's see her. Uh, oh uh, my goodness. Andrea Conchola, she's a meteorologist for a TV station down in Mexico, and she tells us that the weather is going to be mighty nice on Sunday at Soldier Field, 75 degrees. Are you looking at the uh, temperature, or are you looking at something else, Dan? (laughs) I I mean, this may be the best one yet. I shouldn't objectify her when I say one, but this may be the best lady that you have shown in our weather reports here exclusively on the Barroom Network. Well, it's nice. It's nice to know you're tight now. So I, when I oh select Oh, my the, God. Look at her. Yeah. This is the most fun I have all week is selecting the weather lady for our show. I mean. <laughs> Sometimes I will look at video for over an hour to pick the right one. <laughs> you pick the right one. That lady, it's just like, look, I've always said that I, you know, I, I this the ship has sailed on me being a father at this point. But look, I'll just be a child support dad with her, man. Fuck it. Let's go. Hell yeah. I'll just give you the check. Just let me hit it one time. Just one time, and I'll give you the check. I'll support your 10 kids. Come yeah. Let, please. Just Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Bruce, Ali, Walter, Jordan, you are absolutely right. I do have a, uh, a perverted streak with We should me. get Alan Williams on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I texted Dan on Sunday uh, telling him, you think that Alan Williams is jerking off while he's watching the game or, or you know, doing something else? Because, you know, we've all been very respectful of the whole situation, but it's starting to become very, very clear. I, I was a staff director at McDonald's Corporation, and there were two or three times when HR called me, we've got a problem with only your employees. They've been che- checking porn on their computer, you know, and so 
we had to have a talk and in some cases we had to release one person because they showed no remorse and when we talked it over with hr is like yeah you need to get rid of this guy and he was like every guy does it i'm like first of all shut up <laughs> <laughs> second of all it's not true not every guy does it um but uh but with so hr's I involvement it's got to be sexual related in some scenario right you would think yes i mean it could be something else it could be gambling right it could be um you know, uh, selling uh, illegal paraphernalia it could be drugs or something like that. So it could be anything else. I but with HR, think- though, would you call HR if you're like, oh, Alan Williams is smoking a little weed and he doesn't have a card? I mean, I don't think HR would be involved unless it's something to do with his dick. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the most likely scenario. But if he is selling drugs over the Internet, well, well that would have been a crime. And so it's it, that was it, Sam Hurd. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> we got a great history. In Chicago. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, by the way, somebody told me uh, I should have saved the oh, Caesar uh, says, look for weather girl, Yannette Garcia. We have had Yannette on our show a number of times. She's another one of Dan's types. Uh, yeah, she is the best Mexico weather girl. And by the way, while I was looking for video, I saw Yannette being interviewed by um, Craig. Remember Craig Ferguson? He used to be the yeah, the, yeah, the Scottish. Yeah, Scott, very funny. And he used to yeah. uh, uh, flirt with all the women uh, that came on the stage. And some of those episodes are just so funny. Uh, so she was on that show a couple times. Yeah, she is a, a, adorable. But back to football. Um, I really do believe, Dan, that this is a rebound game. You know, let's take into account that they faced three very tough opponents. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Bucks weren't that tough, but it was in Tampa Bay. It was in that heat. Um, and, and I think, you know, the Packers are a better team than anyone expected. And of course the Kansas city chiefs are the defending champions. Are the bears a good team right now as we speak? No, but I think Denver could give us an opportunity to correct some things, a team that gave up 70 points. I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that the bears can, can post 28? The bears haven't scored more than 21 points in like 10, 15 games. I can't boast anything. I'm I'm so uh, downtrodden in that aspect. I can't. I don't. I have no expectations for a score or anything. But I will say, has is this the first time in NFL history that a team lost by fifty and is favored the next week? I, I'm pretty sure that it is. I'm pretty. The, sure. They're favored at Soldier Field after losing by fifty, giving up seventy, and everyone still says, "Oh, they'll beat the Bears." Hmm. Oh, uh, how depressing is that? That we're at the point where we're dogs to a team that law they gave up seventy. You would think if Miami now, granted they've got Tyreek Hill and you know Tua, if he can stay, you know, out of concussion protocol, right. yeah, they can put up some points. I get it, but still, they got seventy. If they could get seventy, the Bears should be able to get twenty-eight, thirty, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, you know, if if they can figure out a way to get Justin Fields running the ball because now they're putting spies and they're boxing him into the pocket because they know he's not a good pocket passer, if they can figure out a way to get him going uh, so that he can introduce that run game, we could get back to seeing the offense that we saw against the Dolphins when you and I and uh, the other Dan were there uh, last season. That's what we need yeah. to get to. So it's going to take some clever thinking and it's going to take some confidence and some pretty decent offensive line blocking. Um, 
which worries me. I was talking to Greg Gabriel. What do you think about the offensive line? Who, Given who is available, who would you like to see starting on the offensive line for the Bears on Sunday? Now, again, I don't. I didn't break down any tape. So if you all have watched like the All-22, maybe you can contradict me and be correct. Mm-hmm. From watching the game on Sunday, I've got to be fair. I, I've always said that I thought Larry Borum was terrible. But when I watched on Sunday, I even saw them pulling him. I've never seen a left tackle pull like that. Like, he seemed okay. Now, it was one game, but I, I didn't think, boy, Borum is just killing us today. Uh, Carter, I, I don't know. Does he keep playing now? Is Davis just on the bench? Like, Well, Davis uh, is still, you know, suffering from, um, I'm going to label it depression, although that's not the word anyone in the Bears organization has uh, has used, but his mom died. And so, you know, it's really up to his mental health if he's going to go out there. I got a feeling he might be ready to get out there, but uh, if he doesn't. He's got to. He's got to. I don't mean to like belittle, like we've both lost our moms. We know not, neither one of us are taking shots at him. And I know it's not the same parent, but remember Brett Favre played the night his dad died and lit up Oakland Jordan with the, against the Sonics on father's day. I mean, you know, I'm just saying like, you know, he he had a week off and I'm not trying to sound like I have no empathy because again, I'm still crestfallen over my mom dying. It yeah. still crushes me, but come on, man. What, what's what's better is to get back to some level of normalcy and go out there and bust somebody's ass. Right. That, that is what I would advise if he was asking for my advice. But, you know, people grieve. Everyone grieves differently. So, um, you know, I'm the type of guy where I make jokes and I try to keep it light and so forth, and then I go off and cry on my own uh, behind closed doors. I don't want to see anyone to see me cry. Right. But, uh, you know, so hopefully he'll play. So, you okay, so you got Borum at left tackle. You got, let's say, Nate Davis at right guard. You're, who is your center, Whitehair or Patrick or, is, or Feeney? Is this in question? Uh, well, I'm, I'm asking for your opinion. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Patrick did on Sunday. I don't know if he, he was egregiously bad. I didn't see him that much, so I don't know what he did. I didn't know if it was so bad that they were talking about pulling him. But if he did okay, then I would keep him in there just for the, the consistency of, okay, you've had three games. Let's make it a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and try to have some continuity uh, building with he and Fields or – but then again, Whitehair, from what I could see, has struggled at left guard significantly. I don't know. Is his arm better? Is he ready to snap? I, I don't know where they are. I just don't know. Where, can you shed some light? I, sure. What I saw is Patrick didn't have a terrible game, not nearly as bad as I expected him to have. And it was Cody Whitehair who was awful, just awful. If I were doing grades on blocking, I would have given Cody Whitehair the lowest of all the offensive linemen. And I saw a couple of plays where Chase Claypool as a blocking wide receiver was awful as well. I really do think they should consider uh, playing Equinemia St. Brown. They catch about the same. <laughs> you know, their yeah. hands are about the same right now, at, at least from what I've seen. Uh, and But Brown is a much, much more robust, uh, enthusiastic blocker. And white hair, I mean, excuse me, Claypool's heart really isn't in it so i'd like to see borum and then at left tackle i'd like to see feeney and then at center patrick or Whitehair. but i would kind of lean based on sunday's performance against the chiefs of benching white here for a game and putting patrick in there and then hopefully nate davis is ready at the right guard and then at the right tackle 
Uh, you got the rookie Darnell Wright. Now, a player who has been playing pretty well is Jatari Carter. He's yeah. been playing pretty well. So, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe he gets some playing time in there. Maybe I, I maybe you leave him a right guard and put Nate Davis at left. Can Davis play the left? Davis, that's not his favorite position. I think he's played every game at right guard. Okay. Uh, maybe someone in the chat room can correct me, but he's he's primarily in his career been a right guard. At least I think last season he played every game at right guard. So I don't think they'll they'll want to move him. I don't think he'll I definitely want to move him. I de like if you rewind our tapes, man. I I I thought Whitehair was finished last year. I was like, there's no way he's gonna be on the the next team. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly they're like, oh, he's the center. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like. Look, Whitehair's been with us a long time. I'd love to see him be a part of a winner because he's gone through all the losing, but he's done. I mean, I, I thought he was done last year. So I, I can't believe he's still on the team. I, I just – but it is what yeah. it is. You know, I was going to say one more thing, if you don't mind. Don't Speaking know. of blocks, and I'm not trying to switch over to defense because we're talking offense, but one of the things I don't want to lose sight of today, I did notice over and over and over our big signee, Mr. Edmonds. Mm-hmm was a local boy for me here and played well with Buffalo. I mean, he's getting blocked one-on-one -on -one by wide receivers and can't get off a block. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. No, neither one of those linebackers that we brought in are doing anything. I'm seeing them getting blocked by one person at a time and, and completely knocked out of the play. Yeah, you know, I think Edmonds is still probably not 100% based on that injury. and He wouldn't divulge uh, when he met with the – media back at the end of preseason he wouldn't divulge what the injury was but he responded by saying it was a couple of things and so that tells me he's still not 100 percent. i i haven't looked at the entire all 22 but i saw a few plays where he did okay but i also saw a few things where he was being blocked easily by a tight end i'm not sure it was wide receiver the other time that i saw him uh uh, uh, you know, pushed aside easily, but uh, he's clearly not the player we thought we were getting. But I expect him to get there if if he it continues to heal properly. Uh, you know, that's that's vital. You know, in a future episode, we'll talk more at length about Ryan Poles. But these acquisitions, you know, we can kind of tease it now. These acquisitions by Ryan Poles are all kind of starting to become head scratching. Yeah. <laughs> Two defensive backs he drafted in the second round can't seem to stay healthy. Brisker's uh, down every day, every game. He's he's all oh, Brisker's down again. Brisker's what, down. What was it? You texted me during the game when he was down and something about a boxing a KO or something yeah, like that. I was like, if this guy was a fighter, it's if I shouldn't have said that. I was out of line for saying that, but I was saying he's soft. I mean, who am I to call him soft? But I was saying if he was a boxer, his record would be 0 and 10, and he's been knocked out 10 times. Yeah, it just as soon as he gets hit once, he's gone, man. It's like, why is he always hurt? Yeah, he's he's a guy I was so excited about, and I'm just starting to think that, you know, I I like to try to look at things from a psychological standpoint. I wonder if all of these injuries and hurts and stuff are starting to occupy his mind because I saw him clearly out of position on a number of plays in the R22, and uh, so I wonder where his head is at. I'd love to. Next time he meets the media, I'd love for people to try to dig in and get some more information because we need safety play in the NFL is more important than ever in the history of the game because of what offenses are doing nowadays. And if you don't have an entire defensive backfield of five really strong players, you're going to get burned. And especially if you don't have 
a, a pass rush like we don't have. Uh, you well, know, we don't have we don't have sacks, one sack all season. Well, before you move off the secondary, this is again just a novice here, just a fan. But I saw the same breakdown. You remember in the opening game of the year that tight end Musgrave broke all he was just free all by himself in the Green Bay game down the sideline. And of course, Jordan Love made the throw. Well, it happened again on Sunday, but the right tackle of Kansas City was called for being off the line of scrimmage. So uh, the old Packer, Valdez Scantlin, or however you say his name, didn't get the touchdown. But if it wasn't for an offensive penalty, you had a busted coverage with a guy wide open in the same spot that Musgrave was open in, in week one. Like, what is going on? Eberflus is supposed to be some defensive I don't want to use the word guru, but at least a specialist. Yeah. And you're having these in, just in, inexpl inexplicable breakdowns mm -hmm. that no one can explain. It's just, what the fuck is happening? Here's, here's this is a the most important game, you know, of the season right now, because if we continue to look like the team you just described, the team, you know, and uh, somebody just put up, uh, Greenberg's uh, ESPN's uh, Greenies quote that this is an organization that's rudderless and leaderless. If the Bears don't put a good performance together this upcoming weekend against the Denver Broncos, then all bets are off. This organization, Kevin Warren has to come down and talk to the McCaskies and say, listen, I know it's not protocol here with the Chicago Bears organization, but we need some sacrificial heads here because we're going to lose the fan base. You know, we, we see what and here in Chicago, we see what's happening with the Chicago White Sox. No, nobody wants to talk about them anymore because they're an embarrassment to the city. And we, we saw it happen for a, a, a period of time with the Chicago Cubs. We saw it happen towards the latter part of the John Fox era where there were 15, 20,000 no-shows. I mean, they couldn't even give the tickets away. Uh, so I think Kevin Warren, if this, if it's a blowout, if we get blasted by the Broncos, I really do believe Kevin Warren has to step in. And say, yeah, but hey. you have a short week against Washington after that, so you can't make a move yet. It would have to be after the uh, the Redskins or Commander game. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very very great point. So at the very least, you go in and say, okay, here's my plan. After the Commanders game, here's how I want to, you know, change the organization. We'll move Matt Eberflus out. We'll put this person in that's head coach or whatever it is. He's got to have a plan ready because this thing is pointing, you know, down. And uh, we, it's got to be a rebound game this year. And I hate to say, even if we lose. But, yeah, even if we lose, we need the offense to show some – some vitality and we need the defense to get some sacks and it for it for it to be a great game you know uh, as opposed to what we've been watching very, very disappointing you were talking about uh, maybe the bears just people losing interest in and that being the worst thing is just that you know just no one cares just apathy our, our guy ron ron was going to go to arrowhead his plan was to go to that chiefs game and by like Tuesday or Wednesday, he's like, why am I paying to go to this? He's like, I don't have to go to this game. And he didn't go because he was af afraid of what happened was going to happen. And he told me, because again, we didn't get to meet the opening week. He goes, we need to meet before this Denver game because I think this is the last game I'm going to this season. Think about that. This is a guy whose family's got season ticket, hold you know, season ticket holders, 
on like the 10 yard line in the third row. Wow. And he's not going to go to any more games the rest of the year because he said, this team is an embarrassment. They're exploiting my passion, taking my money, and I'm not giving it to him. And I, I told him, because he and I conversed a lot after the game. I was like, look, I'll give you this. I won't go to any more games after the Raider game this season, and I won't buy any more gear. That's going to be hard for me to not buy any more gear. But I, I was like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, that's going to be my, you know what? Fuck you, Chicago Bears, and, until you put a better product on the field. That's going to mm-hmm. be my way of like, you know, you're not taking my money the rest of the way, but I can't give up on them. I'm going to watch every game, even if they're, you know, 0 and 14 or something horrible, which I hope does not happen. But if it does, yeah, and all those fields jerseys are going to be obsolete sooner than later, I would think. They're going to be collector's items, man. That's what they're going to oh, be. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, going back real quick on acquisitions. Sure. Think about this. Well, uh, Tongan caught, you know, almost 100 passes the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercedes Lewis always would catch a big third and 18 against us. He may only have 10 catches the whole year. It was always when you, oh, he's on the field and you forgot about him. I haven't mm-hmm. even seen him on the field. And and Foreman we signed who was running hard. And guess what? He's been inactive two weeks. Like, why can't we utilize the pieces that we do have? Like, yeah. why can't we take advantage of Tongan or Lewis to come in on a third down and no one notices he's there? Or give Foreman the ball. Like, if it comes, if it's like really Foreman versus Valus Jones, then fucking put 13 back there to return the kicks and put Foreman in the game. Yeah, I think, you know, through three games, they're trying to find the right formula. And, you know, when you talk about throwing to Tanya, and I think it's because they're just not sustaining drives. And so they're getting fewer plays to try different things. They're not getting as many first downs. I, I'll, I'll take a look at, at the stats here. Um, but I bet you that in terms of gaining first downs, they're probably near the bottom of the league. And so if you're not sustaining drives you can't throw the ball to that second tight end tanya and you can't throw the ball to that third wide receiver look at darnell mooney he wasn't even yeah. targeted last game no no he had a, he had a target in the fourth quarter real late in the game okay that's why i missed it uh it's it's horrendous what is happening here and see if i can find first downs per game i found it um Chicago is ranked 27th in the NFL, actually tied with Tampa Bay of all teams wow. uh, at 15 uh, for, uh, uh, first downs a game. And, and that's just not going to do it. You got to let me see who's at the top of this list. You got Miami with 27 first downs, Chargers 24, Rams 23, Dallas 23, San Francisco 23. So we're getting about eight. To 12. And Dallas got beaten by Arizona for all intents and purposes, one of the worst teams in the league, and they got beaten. Why can't the Bears come out and play with the fire of the Cardinals who are trying to play for the number one? Um, they want a quarterback. They mm-hmm. want to move on from Murray. Everybody knows it. And mm-hmm. so they don't really want to win, and yet they come out and beat Dallas and play inspired football. What are the Bears doing? Yeah, I mean, even if Eberflus is a bad coach, it's just like, God, you're still a grown man who's played football your whole life. Can't you excel at a bad scheme? Now, let me ask you this, uh, uh, um, Iberflus's excuse. And by the way, James, uh, they do, they did play like about seven snaps with that two tight end, that 12 formation. They, they, they 
they need to do it more. And in fact, I would bring in the third tight end and, and really start to run the ball a lot more and stay committed to the run. Uh, if you lose a yard on first down, don't be afraid to run again on second down. It, you know, this, this is the team's strength and you got to stay to it. And you can't depend, especially if they're cutting down the running lanes for Justin Fields, you got to use this talented running back trio that you have. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Dan, about Eberflus saying, well, one of the reasons that we're not playing well is because we had so many disruptions during preseason. So the offensive line as a unit, the five designated starters, never got to play during the preseason together. Uh, there were injuries with the wide receiver group, uh, and so they never got to play well together. He basically said, you know, this has been a really challenging, and, and on defense too, when you get Tremaine Edmonds and other people who have been injured, that this has been a really difficult prep off-season uh, off of preparation for the regular season, which is why they've gotten off to such a disastrous start. I ask you, do you buy that? No, because I don't remember him – sounding the alarm bells in the preseason when he was like, look, man, we're, we're having some issues now with injuries and we're worried. Like you didn't hear any of that talk. It felt like a lot of this was self-imposed by not attempting to play players and stuff. Like, I think a lot of that's his fault. And it feels like the PR person wrote that to me. Like, how can we, <laughs> how can we justify this shit show? Especially when everyone on TV is, is saying, like, why are you still in uh, a zone right now when Mahomes is eating this up and and Kelsey's wide open on every play? Why don't you go to man? And it's just like he's another one of these coaches. The Bears always get – before it was Matt Nagy. Well, my system, my system. It's my system. The players just don't – well, at some point you have to adjust your system to the players that you have. Mm -hmm. So if your players that you have can't handle Kansas City at all, like embarrassingly – playing the zone then why don't you go to man like he refuses to make adjustments yeah. it, it feels like the bears always have these coaches that cannot make adjustments it's like the the famous mike tyson line well everyone's got a plan until i hit him in the fucking mouth <laughs> i love it <laughs> and michael spinks thought you know hell i'm unbeaten i've got a belt I, I you know i've never been knocked down and then he got knocked down twice in 90 seconds and, and tyson had both of the belts mm. you know it's just until you you got to be able to make adjustments, and the Bears never do that. How many times have we seen, going back to Mike Holmgren, the, again, the Bears would have a lead on the Packers at the half, especially when Wani was there, and, and then Green Bay would adjust, and they would beat us in the second half because they had better players, but they would whatever we were doing, they, they made their adjustments. We never do that. We're never better in the second half. Remember when Nagy was here, it was like, one season where we didn't score any points in the third quarter until like week 15 or something. Mm -hmm. It was like the third quarter was always just a fucking like a continuation of shit. Like they never could make an adjustment. I don't mean to go on a rant. No, I, just I love it. I don't understand why they can't make any adjustments. And if you want to run the ball, uh, I guess, you know, Herbert's been better at pass blocking than last year, but he's still been suspect. He fumbled the other day. If you're really doing the hit system, then Foreman should be playing this week. I'm with you, man. I mean, the, the thing is with Foreman and Roshan Johnson, they're very similar. And so they like, you know, what Herbert gives them in terms of bouncing things outside and so forth. But I'm with you. I think Herbert should sit a week. Uh, you know, he fumbled and, and you can't do that. Uh, question for you from uh, Josh. Which Bears defense would you take, the 2005 team or – the 2018 team. Good question. 
I'm going to go with 05. Tell me why. First off, I feel that the 18 team was a little bit overrated, um, as evidenced by the playoff game when they couldn't get off the field on fourth down over and over and over and over. And whenever we just needed one stop to win the game and they couldn't do it, as you know, I think Khalil Mack is incredibly overrated. I was afraid to even say it. Again, we've had other people say, I won't say any names, that my inability to believe in Mack was an example of why he and I couldn't be friends anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe it's a conversation that two grown men would have. But I'm just saying, like, to me, Eddie Jackson's overrated. I know he had a good 2018 was getting picks. The 05 team, I mean, Erlacher was at his best. Lance Briggs is coming into his own. You still had Mike Brown, even though he had a calf injury that year. You had Tommy Harris wasn't hurt yet. Chris Harris, a good young safety. You, you had playmakers, man, and Alex Brown. I mean, those guys to me are, are, are Charles Tillman. Those guys, Nate Vasher hadn't gotten paid yet and was still playing well. When he got paid, then, then the interceptor never got another interception. <laughs> but that team... Uh, I just mentioned the 18 team can't compete with that. Yeah. Jordan is challenging you on Khalil Mack. He says uh, he struggled with injuries much of his Bears career. So how can you say he was overrated? Oh, fuck me. He got his money, man. They had him 60th in the Bears' 100th catalog. 60th? After the midway point of 2018, what did he do for the Bears? He didn't even have a... He didn't even have a statistic in that Eagles playoff game, nor did he against the Saints in the playoff game. If you can shut one guy down just because we say we want to shut him down, how is he so great? Like, no one ever said, boy, we're going to shut down Lawrence Taylor today. Yeah, It just didn't happen. I I agree, uh, Jordan, that he was injured through much, if not all, of his Bears career. But – Dan's point is correct. You know, people were just bestowing all this greatness on Khalil Mack. And after that 2018 season, and even before the season ended, he started to wear down. And we weren't seeing that greatness towards the last part of the season and definitely not in the playoff game. And we definitely didn't see that greatness in uh, uh, other seasons. He, He got off to a good start. In his last season with the Bears, when he, him and Quinn were getting a sack a game, and then after five or six games, uh, Mac got hurt, and that was it. Never saw him again. So, yeah, he was overrated. I think a lot of us fans, me included, overrated him. So Jordan has a reply. Uh, he goes, no doubt on that, Then I don't think he had the impact we'd hope. That's fair. Just – that to say he was a lesser player, I'd argue, and that needs to context to explain. I, I get what Jordan's saying. You know, the guy is a incredibly gifted athlete, and he can, you know, we there's highlights of him going through triple teams and getting a sack. There's no doubt about it. But unfortunately, his body couldn't sustain that type of production week after week for 17 games a season. But the question was 2005 versus 2018. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack was a player on the downside, and we didn't know that when we made the trade. And Brian Urlacher was a player at the height of his greatness in 05. Mm-hmm. Like, that was his best year ever, I think. 06, he was no slouch either. He had his best individual game against Arizona. Uh, so Urlacher's at the height of his, of his Hall of Fame career, and you, and our big star on the other team is on his way down. Like, mm-hmm. if you just want to look Urlacher versus Mack, then – who are you going to take? Young Urlacher up, coming up, man. He is coming up. 
And then the other guys on the and, and the way down, I mean, if you just – to me, the question was 05 versus 18. So 05, definitely. Um, and as much as I didn't like KO, I did like Grossman. I still think both of them are better than Trubisky. Mm. And now KO's a rookie that year, so, I mean – but I still like the quarterbacks better. I like Thomas Jones better than our running game in 2018. I like our wide receivers better. Like, would you rather have Bernard Berrien or Allen Robinson? I'd rather have Berrien. That's that's a tough one for me. I, I would say that's a tie. Yeah. Uh, based on their productivity with the Chicago Bears, I would say that's a tie. Uh, I mean, Allen Robinson had back-to-back 100-catch seasons, and Berrien never did that. But it just felt, was, it felt like Barian was a home run hitter for us. Barian was a big play, uh, a big playmaker. There's no doubt. He's about a, like a like a not to the same extent as Willie Galt, but the same kind of player that's going to catch the big ball for you. Even if he only gets 35 catches that year, they're going to be impactful. And at least that's the way I remember Willie being. Yeah. Lots of speed, and uh, he may have a drop here and there, but he's going to catch the big ball for you too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's it. you. You describe uh, Willie Gall to to a T. All right, let's bring it back uh, to 2023. Unfortunately, uh, going to put together. We're going to uh, share with you the media mashup that we created. Again, this is an idea that Dan had for our show when we first started. And at first, I was like, I don't know. Why don't we talk during those 15, 20 minutes? And then when he put together the the first one, I said, hey, this is actually pretty good. And we got great reaction uh, in the chat room. And over time, we've uh, improved it some. So it's basically trying to capture what the local media here in Chicago is saying. Sometimes we do national media, but uh, this is all ded- dedicated to Chicago radio. Um, I know a lot of people like it. We're already getting, yay, media mashup coming. Uh, Dan, you want to say anything before I roll it? I haven't listened to one word of anything. So, I mean, for real, I'm actually looking forward to it. I was a big fan of all these shows. And when the Bears, like, I haven't watched one game this season other than the Bears. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was uh, last night, um, all right, you're watching these Monday night? No, no. When the Bears are this bad, I don't even want to watch other games, let alone listen to the radio. It I just used makes- to be that way, but uh, yeah. uh, now I, I don't know why I've been watching a lot of other games. Uh, but please continue. I'm just saying I haven't wanted to listen. Uh, because it's just when they're this bad, I don't, I don't want to hear it from anybody. Yeah, you, so, you, want, you want to escape from football, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I, I, I find myself being stuck in the past. Like, in some ways, the Bears are – I'm like an abused spouse. Like, I won't leave them. Like, I refuse to go. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. They're not going to – like, they can just keep hitting me. You know, cheating on me, whatever they want to do, and I and I'm still here, but I don't want to waste any more time on them, and hear hear other people say how much they suck because I know it. But when other people say they're terrible, I get defensive. You know, it's so ironic. Like, you know what, Fields isn't this fucking bad. Like, I don't want to hear other people saying that. I can say it. I don't want to hear other people tell me he sucks. <laughs> so then I have to defend him. So if I listen to the radio. I find myself just getting more and more depressed. So I've avoided it. However, I the, obviously, like you said, the media mashup I thought was a good idea, and I still do. So I, there's a certain side of me that is looking forward to this because everybody in Chicago on, on the various stations, you know, they're good. So 
Yeah, they are. Now, I, I will warn you that it does sound like Danny Hampton's going to have a heart attack here. Oh, but I did <laughs> listen to Hemp. I, I can't lie. I did listen to Hemp and OB. I did, that's the one. I did listen to them after the show because I was cleaning up my house. OB was trying really, really hard to maintain his school because these guys are like ready to throw f bombs and just get the WGN radio closed down for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. And then when we come back, uh, let's see. Uh, Johnny Santucci will be joining us around nine fifteen, and he's prepared something very special for us. So there's a tease, and we got a lot more great Bears talk. And then in the last twenty minutes, we're going to go to ten thirty. Last twenty thirty minutes, we'll talk some pop culture stuff but here it is your media mashup you know what do you say after that 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 disaster that 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 pile of you know what it, it it's beyond words and and all i can tell you is you know the, what you just said 13 straight losses giving up at least 25 points or more i mean that isn't just a club record. That's almost like NFL record. Never happened before, 103 years. How bad is it? It's really bad. And, yeah, Justin Fields was awful. The game plan by Luke Getze, the play calling, was awful. Miserable. Matt Eberflus, how did he get this job? If, if he's the defensive coordinator and his – Pathetic defense today was based on playing that that pathetic soft punching bag zone and letting Mahomes go up and down the field on us, building a thirty-four to nothing lead. It, it's inexcusable. But I, I I'll tell you this: overall, Ob, this to me, it's a team. It's a miserable football team. It's miserable. They're devoid of leadership. They have no purpose, and. It's a like a bunch of untalented grifters all circling the pay window on Tuesday. They don't care. At the end of the game, I saw them all hugging each other. Why? Make sure everybody uh, you know gets a, a feel good hug. It was unbelievably bad. And at, at the end of the day, this exc- uh, exclamation point of a game on a thirteen in a row loss streak is beyond unacceptable. Now, I've been getting texts from all my pals and all this saying, how can they let Eberflus get back on the plane after he said all week, you know, you talk about a team that confuses activity with accomplishment. They're talking about, oh, we had great practices all week. Oh, yeah, we, we've got a great plan, and we're going to execute, and we're going to – they didn't do anything. Arizona Cardinals with some nobody named Joshua Dobbs goes out and beats the hell out of the Cowboys, the number one team in football, number one defense, and they beat them to death. Houston, the Texans, they won today at Jacksonville. You got all with a rookie quarterback all over the place. You got football teams fighting, scratching, playing the game the way they are supposed to play. We don't see none of it, OB. Well, Danny, uh, you know, there's, there's so much to talk about here. Uh, I'm going to try to be as calm as I can, and I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> uh, but I always have a good friend that I talk to every week. His name is George Lamparis. He happens to own a Palace Grill. And he's been texting me the whole game. And he said, if the Bears score, it's fixed. What a pathetic football team. That pretty much sums it up. Let me tell you how pathetic they are, folks. After four quarters, the amount of yards we ran for, 
And if you break it down in, in yards per quarter of the four, we basically averaged, I believe it was roughly around 28 yards a quarter. In passing, we averaged about 21 yards a quarter. Now, I'm going to tell you what, folks. Our quarterback cannot play in this league. He is not a franchise quarterback. He is not even close to it. He is not a starter. You can't be here three years with game after game in three years and put up pathetic, pathetic numbers and averages in his passing game or whatever. Danny mentioned the coaching staff. What coaching staff, Dan? We don't have one. But that's a message really not for the public but for the team. Yeah, it is, and and I'm sure he's talking to his team, and I'm sure he's a man uh, looking for answers, right? They've never been through this uh, 13-game losing streak now. Uh, Not only losing, but but losing – uh, pretty handily, losing by double digits, uh, not looking like you're even in the game or even competing. So I think he's probably giving, I don't know, Molly, I don't know if he's talking to the media, if he's talking to his team. He might be talking to himself, right? <laughs> he might be telling himself, look, I got to stay in this. I got to stay the course. I got to believe in the things I'm teaching and I'm saying. And he's talking probably to that whole building because right now I've been in buildings like this before. We went over on the postgame show last night. Uh, me and Pat Man- Patrick Manley start to our NFL career, 4-12, and 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, right? We weren't very good here. We did not have a lot of talent. It took us a long time to get to 2005 where we had back-to-back seasons, which would have been my 8th and ninth year in the NFL. And I know exactly what they're going through in that building. I know when you walk in that building and you look at each other and think, man, we, we're not a good football team. We do not have the talent to compete. And then you're saying that the coach is saying things and you're looking at him like that's not true, but I'm going to keep working hard here and try to get better at my game, try to elevate my game here. And I know if I elevate my game, even though it sounds selfish, if I elevate my game to a Pro Bowl level, there's no way that can't help the team. Since they fired Lovey Smith in 2012, the Bears have the mm-hmm. f- fifth worst record in the NFL. And in that decade, they've only had one winning season. And you referenced the losing streak, now 13 games. They're getting outscored by an average of 16 points. This is not a competitive football team. This is not a, a regime that seems to be getting their players to improve in the second year of it. And I just wonder, at what point in time do they not only face a credibility problem publicly, they, but that's, that comes with the territory. But internally, you wonder, is there a buy-in factor that matters that they're not to reason, they're probably not on their way to getting? Yeah, credibility is always crucial in an NFL building. And, and like you're talking about, it's inside the building where it is most crucial because these players, they want you to develop them, their careers, get them to their next contract, right? Get them a starting job, get them on the active roster, have them become pro. They all have dreams, these players in there, and they're counting on the training staff. They're counting on the weight room staff. They're counting on their coach. So what do we say right there, right? They're counting on their health. They're counting on getting stronger, and then they're counting on their skill coach to help them develop what is their craft, what is the way they make money, the way they make a living. And they're counting on all these people in this building. And we always talk about at Hallis Hall, everybody who has a title there, their job, a lot of them in a, on the football side, really should just be under player development. They're trying to develop the players 
in the locker room trying to get them to play better, whether you're a nutritionist, whether you're a trainer, whether you're the strength staff, or whether you're part of the coaching staff, your job is to make the players better so they play better football. And right now, they're not doing that. So, Dave, I, I answer your question by saying this. They have a credibility problem right now at Hallisall, outside the building and inside the building because the way they put the team together does not work. Not a single thing that the Bears didn't have a whole ton of control and what the outcome was going to be, that they were going to be basically at the mercy of the Chiefs and how long it took for them to get bored. And that's essentially what happened yesterday. I don't know, Lawrence, if there's a single thing with this football team right now that is stable. Not a single thing. Offense, defense, special teams, coaching, uh, top-down management. And this is what happens when you get uh, very, very vulnerable and then you go play one of the elite teams in the league. And this is how you get exposed. And now you're 0-3, a winless September. You've got 14 weeks left and you've got to figure out what if anything, is inside your building that you can believe in. Based on your observation on Wednesday at Hallis Hall, which is part of the reason I think uh, the perspective was what it was for the rest of the week about how rare that day was and how odd it was and everything that's happened since then. Where do you sit with your impression of what has happened in the game and where the Bears are at right now as a team? Yeah, I think they're in crisis mode here for sure. I mean, at a minimum, there's a crisis of confidence uh, throughout the entire building. Again, like I just I don't know that anyone knows which direction to turn for the solution. And, and we were feeling that in, in weeks two and three, you know, like just in the lead ups to the Bucks game, in the lead ups to this game, that, that nobody was quite certain. Like, what, what, what can we believe in here? What can we lean on? Uh, as a flotation device at, at this point. Nobody has the answers to it, Layla, and, and it's, it's, it's really troubling because you've got a long way to go and you're going to have to make some really, really landmark decisions here at the end of this season, if not sooner. And right now, when, when you're, you're not even competitive, you know, like you, you're, you're just getting your doors blown off on a regular basis and nobody has a way to stop it, um, I just don't, I don't know where you turn. And so I, I think you can probably hear I had, had a – one-stop flight back through Dallas this morning that got delayed. I'm a little bit of a live wire this afternoon, and I think the city's probably feeling the same way in terms of the exhaustion level that comes with. Are we really here again this quickly? I wanted to ask about that because when I'm looking at Justin Fields and the Bears' offense, but specifically with Fields, I'm seeing regression. I I, I guess it, it, it's reductive to ask you how much of that is on Fields and how much of that is on Luke Getze, but when I'm watching it, it frustrates me because I feel like there's no counterpunch. I understand that defenses have taken stuff away and the running game and they're spying and they're trying to limit the athleticism of Justin Fields. Why have the Bears not been able to counteract that? Because Justin Fields is not counteracting it, Lawrence. And I don't know how to put it more directly than that. You've had, um, you know, week 11 last year was the last time they, they scored more than 20 points in a football game. That's an eternity ago in life in the NFL. And your quarterback hasn't shown an ability to win a game with his arm. He hasn't shown an ability to even be consistently productive as a passer. Yesterday, you walked out of Arrowhead Stadium with 87 net passing yards in a game you trailed by 14 or more for 41 minutes. Hmm. Go back and look at, like, Deshaun Watson's stats. from I think it was 2020 when the Texans were just a disaster. They were getting beat up every week. And Deshaun Watson would get in the fourth quarter, and he'd just pile up numbers and then at the end of the year, he was the NFL's leading passer for the year, right? Because when you're playing from behind, nothing is there for you except open pass, open pass, open pass. Just take what you get, pile up sets. The Bears can't even do that. They walked out of Arrowhead Stadium with 87 net passing yards in a game they were chasing 
from the middle of the first quarter. And and so you're right. Like right now, the counter punches you're going to run read option, and you're going to you're going to give it to the back. And you see that work. You see Khalil Herbert chew up like seven yards up the middle because the ends are are respecting Justin on the edge. And now you've got to figure out how to win a game as a passer, either from the pocket or moving around. Some of the stuff that you watched from Patrick Mahomes yesterday is absolute magic, you know. And it's what the Bears have been seeking on, a, you know, a remedial level with Justin in terms of the ability to manipulate the pocket, move within it, understand kind of how to keep a play alive. And then you see it with Mahomes. It's like, okay, well, there's nothing else here. Now I'm going to go. And he takes off and he gets 12 yards and he gets a new set of downs. And it's just this, this instinctive feel for how you have to play quarterback. Justin doesn't have it right now. Listen, there's shared ownership. Luke Getzey shares in this. They haven't been able to get things unlocked. But when you go through a game where Chase Claypool catches the first ball of the game and doesn't catch another pass, Darnell Mooney doesn't catch a pass, and then Komet had two catches. DJ Moore's first catch comes with three minutes left in the third quarter. Like, you're entirely broken. It's shared ownership from everyone. But to your point, they have not been able to find a counterpunch. And a lot of that comes on the quarterback not being able to produce as a pass. I will say also, Dan, that Matt Eberflus is not the answer. He's going to get fired. It's going to happen. Yeah. I I don't know when it's going to happen. Probably after the season. But he's not the answer at coach for the Bears. I'll be floored if he's the coach next year. And history would suggest that means Matt Eberflus has 14 more games. Because he's the 17th coach in the history of the Bears franchise. And the first 16 all have one thing in common. The Bears have never fired a coach in season. Them, the Ravens, the Steelers, the only franchises to never do it. And I can give you 100 Matt Eberflus stats right now, right? 13-game losing streak, uh, giving up at least 25 points in each of those losses, an average of 33.6 points per game allowed in a 13-game losing streak. This year, it's actually 35 points per game, so it's getting worse, not better, after adding Edmonds and Dexter and Pickens and Edwards and the whole thing. Um then there was this thread on Twitter that was going viral from someone named Ali Connolly, who said the Bears defense over the last two seasons combined over Matty Eberflus. These are the stats where they rank dead last, 32 out of 32. Expected yards per play, drop back yards per play, pressure rate, pressure rate with a four-man rush, sacks per game, Yards conceded per coverage snap. So basically, they're the worst pass rushing team in the NFL, dating back to the start of last year, and they're the worst coverage team in the NFL, dating back to last year. And they're on a 13-game losing streak, and they're giving up more than 13, uh, 33 points per game in that losing streak. So it's an unmitigated disaster, and they should have never hired a defensive coach to, to begin with, but they've somehow managed to uh, fire, or excuse me, hire a defensive coach who doesn't make the defense any better? It's a remarkable accomplishment. Not only do they have a defensive coach, they have a bad defensive coach. It's staggering. It really is. Now, I wanted an offensive guy. I know my Nathaniel Hackett love did not age well. I did not want Josh McDaniel. Uh, I said that I would have hired Doug Peterson, but I knew the Bears would never have hired him because another... Andy Reid, people would have seen it as Matt Nagy 2.0. Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel, both would have been fantastic, obviously. McDaniel would be unbelievable uh, to have here. That would be just the most fun thing to root for in the NFL. But Bears hired 
the old defensive guy who had never got a shot to try to do the culture thing and had the hits principle and they didn't have a ton of penalties last year and, you know, traded people away and he's got all these excuses in the world. But I wonder this. If it's rarely ever in Bears history, it has been arguably comparable, but it's rarely ever been more obvious that the head coach is not the answer to what ails the Bears and then Matt Eberflus is going to get fired. Shouldn't this be the set of circumstances where a coach gets fired midseason? Like, if not now, when? And I'm not saying it has to be after week three, but... If the Bears are 1-9 in nine through 10 games with the worst defense in the NFL after spending a ton of resources on the defensive side of the ball, why would he need to stay? And I know the argument is there's no coach on the staff that would deserve the interim head coaching tag, right? Like Luke Getze doesn't exactly deserve a promotion, obviously. But it at least gives you a leg up on the available talent pool, it cuts your losses, it has the whiff of accountability, and this team, whether we like it or not, is in the rebuild. They're in the build stage. Our guy Jalen Johnson, who we're going to talk to at five, how many losses in a row is he supposed to endure without it becoming the norm? And this isn't like some they-need-to-learn-how-to-win BS that people were talking about last year. I'm just saying, where's accountability? Chase Claypool wasn't benched. You know what I mean? Like No, no one's being called out through the media. It's just, oh, well, you know, we've uh, we got to weather the storm. We're calm. I was on a team that started 1-5 and five and made a run towards the postseason. Oh, great. Cool. How about you? Yeah, I was on a team that was one and four and ended up with a good. Oh, cool. Okay. Folks, what you're watching is unacceptable. It's not going to get fixed overnight. I get it. But we have to restore the pride in being a Chicago Bear. 13 consecutive losses, 25 or more allowed in a city that prides itself on defense. Justin looks like he is resigned to his fate. There are already people. Experts, some have won Super Bowls, calling for him to be benched for Peterman or Bajent. Okay, we got to pump the brakes on that. Pump the brakes on that. But I looked at all the names of guys who are not on another staff. You can't go poach someone from another team today. Who could come in and just steady the ship and get guys to play with a little bit of pride? You can't bring in Rex Ryan from a TV studio because he's a good soundbite. He doesn't even run the same style defense. You're not changing. It's so complex, everything that goes on in the NFL. You're not changing the entire offensive playbook. You're not changing the defensive schemes at this point. So who's out there that understands Tampa 2, who understands how to play Bears football and at least give you a representative effort? Is there anyone out there that has... Been on teams that has no chance of winning, and guys played hard for him the whole way. And my brother came up with the name. What about bringing Lovey back? On an interim basis, you're not a candidate for the job going forward. You, when, the last time the Bears were decent, except for the naggy pop up one year, Lovey was the head coach. They fired him at 10 and 6. And we all, you used the term yesterday. I was listening. 
Lovey fatigue. We had lovey fatigue 11 years ago. I think it went both ways. It did. It went. That was enough. He got tired of dealing with the media. The yep. media got tired of dealing with him. The fan base. Really, we can't get to the playoffs with this guy. Huh. Ten and six. We would kill for those days. What about bringing him back and saying, dude, it, we, we have to show people that there is some accountability for the nonsense that you're watching. Look, I know Matt Eberflus isn't sleeping well. He's not eating well. He's in that office 24 hours a day. He goes from this meeting to that meeting. How do we fix this thing? And it's like you got the, the leak coming. I plugged that one. Okay, let's plug that. I got another one. It, it just, what's that game where the thing keeps popping up and you hit it? Yeah, the whack-a-mole. Yeah, whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's where we're at. So, so I'm clear. Are you calling for Eberflus' head this morning? Is, it, is that enough? You've had enough of Matty Reflux, because if you're going to suggest Lovey Smith this morning, then it, clearly you've seen enough. And by the way, all of us have seen enough. This is going in the wrong direction. When you have not won a football game since last October, it, it, like most organizations would say, we've got to cut the cord. And when people talk about Justin Fields the same way, I heard the same things over the weekend that you heard about that Justin's playing so poorly that he should be benched. If you are a good football team that's on the precipice of going to the playoffs or you feel like you're going to be special, uh, most teams would change quarterbacks. Like, we got to salvage this season. I mean, we're close, but the Bears are not close, and that's the problem, right? We, I can't call for Justin Fields benching just on one hand because the Bears still are bereft of talent on both sides of the football. It's not like it's, Justin's a nine-year veteran who's right. struggling and you have, you know, we drafted that kid at, you know, 20th overall, and he's sitting there on the bench. He's our first-round pick. All right, give, it, give him a shot. It's not that way. Obviously, Peterman can't do it. He's never done it. He's been in the NFL long enough. He's not good enough. He's a career hanger on on the roster. Right. That's what he is. Yep. It's not a personal shot. That's the truth. It's a solid veteran. You just plug and play for a few games if you need him. Right. Tyson Bagent is an undrafted rookie from Shepard. I don't mean the high school. I mean the school, the college. He's not ready to play in the NFL. He's just not. So, okay, so I would agree with that. Now, so, okay. so back to you, Refluce. Okay, so you asked me that question. Is that all? Well, you don't have a defensive coordinator. He, that dude's got bigger issues in his life, and he resigned. Alan and, Williams. And by the way, just as an aside, that's so mom and pop for the Bears not to be able to have someone that's overseeing the operation on the defensive side. That guy's the head coach looking for a win. Well, that's what I'm saying. What if you brought Lovey in? Lovey. Would you come in and coordinate the defense? And Ryan tells him and George, hey, I need you to come in, run the defense. And if this thing does not turn around in four or five weeks, which it's not, we'll make you the interim coach the rest of the way. We'll take care of you financially. Here you go. Whatever it takes. Here's the money. No, you're not going to be the head coach going forward. That that is done. I would say that... One thing for sure, Lovey Smith is a prideful individual mm-hmm. where he doesn't need a handout because I'm sure that he's been, he's been handsomely paid every place that he's gone. Oh, yeah. Tampa, Chicago, um, University of Illinois, and Houston. He's got plenty of money. I'm just saying that, you know, for, for him as a prideful individual, I'm sure he goes in there saying, well, uh, you know, if I'm coming in here, I'm going to be the next head coach with some years. Yeah, no. I mean, so that's why I'm not sure that that works because of who Lovey is, the pride. 
you're just going to give me an opportunity. Like I can, I can coach anywhere. I'm sure he'd say that. And I would respond to him. No, you can't clearly. You right. can't just coach anywhere. I mean, because but, even though there's some success, there's a lot of failure with Lovey Smith as well. I was very scared by some of the things surrounding Jalen Carter in the spring. I thought there were some things that were definitely a bad look. And if I were a GM, I would have, I think, had major, major reservations. There is no questioning the kid's talent. None. There never has been. You don't have to be an expert in no, football to watch some highlights and go, no, ooh, don't. that kid looks different. He pops off the right? page. So uh, I'm not saying anything that anybody didn't know. I, now, would I have had some major reservations? I certainly would have. Yurko all along was like, he's too good, he's too talented. You get him in, you get him in your system, and you deal with it. I would have been a little bit more scared, and I sort of understand the Bears' stance, and they are a dumpster fire of an organization. Yep. Almost to prove Ryan Poles' point. He maybe knew. Uh, who knows what Jalen Carter would have looked like if he would have gone the other way with the mess they have up there. I don't know. But the one thing is clear, and Yurko said it after the first exhibition game. He said, I got news for everybody. Don't watch the Eagles. Yeah. Don't watch the Eagles' defensive line. Don't do it. Don't because do it. he is, in his third game in the league... Jalen Carter, folks, is an absolute monster. Here's how you build a team. You've got to have absolute studs, right? You yes. either draft them and they come in and they're studs, or you get them and you think you can develop into studs. Brett Favre developed into a stud. Brett Favre coming out of college was a second-round draft choice in Atlanta. He was a bust in Atlanta. They're happy somebody came and traded for him and got him up there. Took him a couple years to develop by that third year, 95, is, or third year, 94, is when they had their little bit of a guessing period what they were going to do with him. And by 95, he was an NFL MVP. So they developed the stud. Sterling Sharp was a stud out of the box, out of South Carolina. Stud. Leroy Butler makes the transition from cornerback to safety. And what does he develop into? A stud. Yeah. And it took him a couple years until he developed into being that stud that he was. Okay? That's how... You, you get that. Hall of Fame players, either you develop them into them or they come out of college that way. But you've got to have those alphas, those big stud players that come in, and they're the ones that become natural leaders, and they're the ones that you want to follow. Okay, You've got to have those individuals. Without those individuals, you've got nothing. And they got one stud right now, D.J. Moore, and he's being nullified because of yes. quarterback in the offense. Yes. And now I'm going to say the offense, too, for those that – you know, get a little bit silly. The offense and the quarterback can't get him the football in a timely manner. Not good. The Bears don't have studs. Yurko's right about that. There you go, Danny Gwai. I was on mute. Um, that doesn't help when you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get your opinion on a number of things, so I'm going to ask you some questions. But first, why don't you go first? What stuck out to you? I was talking about Lovey on Sunday, too. Yes, you and were. Last week you were talking about it. Or maybe yeah, even Pex, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't agree with Cap's opinion that you tell him he can't be coach. If you bring Lovey back, you, you bring him as the interim and say, show us what you got, man. If, if you want to coach us again, and you – I mean, like – Turn us around, and it could be your gig, man. Because I mean, other than Ditka, 
I mean, who's the second most popular coach we've had in the last quarter century? I mean, Lovey, well, right? Popularity doesn't mean anything, right? What I mean, I'm saying is that the, the the fans can embrace him. Yeah, I suppose maybe the majority, not not you know unanimously, but the majority of fans would welcome Lovey back after the fiasco that we've had of the last three head coaches. There's no doubt right. about that. No doubt because it feels that. like Lovey. And I'll give you another name, and it's the same thing. Uh, I felt when Lovey came back as coach of Tampa, he was looking around, and I just it looked like he was saying, "Man, this is where I should be." I said that on air. Like maybe it was with the Texan game when I said it on air. It just it looked like he wished he was still here. Uh, but I feel like he, he would want to be here and want to turn around, and have that desire. The same thing, I know this is going to get shot down immediately. I'm not saying, I'm just using as an example. If you wanted somebody for an interim, you can't tell me Singletary couldn't do any worse than, I mean, for, for what the rest of the season. You can't tell me that Mike wouldn't care. You can't tell me he wouldn't give you his fucking heart. You couldn't tell me he couldn't motivate grown men to play better than what Eberflus does. Or even Les Frazier. I think Les has got some kind of uh, health issue that he stepped away from minnesota or somewhere right buffalo yes. maybe buffalo buffalo yeah, yeah so i think he's not really available but i mean somebody like that that's been here that has an incentive to want to be here and it's not ju just collecting a check and like i think singletary or lovey as a, as an example both of those guys would care about the shield and the uniform and and want to turn it around now again singletary is someone that everyone's going to shit on because he pulled his pants down in a presser when he was a San Francisco coach. I get it. He ruined his credibility, and now people try to act like he wasn't even a good player because of it, which is so unfortunate. But Lovey, to me, if you were going to have an interim coach and you were going to fire Eberflus, that's the guy. Like Because he's been in the league. Like Mike's been out for a decade now. But Lovey's the guy. I mean, I mean, Lovey, you, you tell him you're the interim coach, and you know you have a chance to keep the gig. Show us what you got, man. Develop this quarterback. Turn it around. Turn the defense around. Fabulous points there. Uh, and I would like to counter them. But first, let me answer Please. this. Dan asked me to prove him wrong that Abe Gibron was a better coach than Eberflus. Dan, I have to agree. Abe Gibron is one of my most favorite coaches just because of his personality. I don't know if he was a good coach in the field. He had a terrible roster. Hard to tell when you got a terrible roster. But Abe Gibron was so fucking entertaining. And then he used to do a show. I think it was on the local CBS station here. And with his fat gut, he sit there and answer <laughs> questions. He was just a, a, a personality. He should have been more famous than, than he was. You know, he lived before his times. But to your point, I agree with Nick when he says, when has bringing a coach – Back helped an NFL team. Team, by the way, Nick, outstanding producer for Nomad Live. If you're not watching and following the folks over at Net Nomad Live, you should do that. Go to their YouTube channel and subscribe to their. I've channel. got an answer to that. Please, please answer. How about Billy Martin? Didn't Billy Martin go back to the Yankees like twelve times, and usually they won when he went back? I mean, it's happened before. Like, or especially in this situation. It's unprecedented how far the Bears have fallen. I mean, but, 14 out of 15 games have been defeats. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, you know, yeah, it's happened before. You know, Nick isn't factually correct there. You know, George Hallis himself 
There you go. He, he came back. He went four to times, war. right? Yes, exactly. And he has a winning record on all four times of his return. So, but I understand the sentiment. Nick had uh, uh, posted something else that I understand where he's coming from. We wanted to move forward. A lot of times when you go back, you're really going back because that's the identification of the organization. I would love to see this organization have a modern offense, have a modern stadium, have a modern owners. I would like for them to be modernized. And I'm an old fart. I love old things from the past. But this team, part of the organizational failure is because they make they would make a move like bringing Lovey back, who has no success recently. Recently, there's just nothing has happened, you know, with the with the Texans as a head coach. With uh, I spilled fucking beer on my mixer. That's not good. No. Oh. Uh, uh, as the head coach, uh, uh, head coach. Well, of I Tampa feel like Bay. in Tampa, he kind of didn't really. They fired him after one or two years, and it's not like they were a shit show like the Bears. That's but they wanted that. They wanted that guy not to leave Dirk or whatever his name. What was his name? Wasn't it Dirk? Some Cutler, Cutler, Cole, I don't know. I, but yeah, I know that, that guy, whatever. Yeah, they <laughs> basically fired him the the exact opposite of what we did with Fox when Adam Gase was going to leave. They were mm -hmm. like, they took the younger guy. So it's not like Lovey was bad in Tampa. They just decided to go with that other coordinator because they were afraid he was going to leave. And then in Houston, he didn't have anybody. He didn't have Watson play the whole year. I don't know what he did at Illinois. I, I don't watch college football. But I'm just good. saying, it's not like he was, I mean, that terrible at Tampa or something. But the, the, the idea is, if you're going to fire Eberflus, who could provide you the most stability? Who has an incentive to care about the fucking uniform? And again, I said it on air. I could be wrong. I could be a meathead. And I mentioned a minute ago, I really believe when he's come back, he's looked and thought, I should be the fucking coach of this, this team. Like, I felt like he's had, like, like he's looked at us as his ex-wife. Like, man, we shouldn't have gotten divorced. I felt that before, man. So, again, he's getting a nice fat paycheck to sit, sit at the house right now from the Texans. Yeah. But you give him a second check, and you're like, look, you have an interim opportunity. You know, I can't, I, I just can't imagine him turning it down. I, I got to tell you, I don't I don't think it would be a good idea, but your speech there makes me think that it would be a fantastic storyline for the drama that is the Chicago Bears. You know, he would come back to town. The Chicago Bears announced Lovey Smith is returned as their coming to save coach. the fucking day. Exactly. Is he a savior or is this a dunce move by the new administration over at Hallis Hall? You know, it, it would present so many storylines. We'd have a blast covering it and debating it and, and so forth. From that standpoint, I'm all for it. Bring Lovey and back. Print the T-shirts. <laughs> guaranteed Lovey would say something in the first presser like, it's good to be back. Like, <laughs> he wants right. to be back. I think he wants to be back. And the players, from regardless of what you think, because I thought at the time when he had the collapse at 7-1 and and then 7 or 7-3 and three and then 7-1, and one, neither team made the playoffs, that he deserved to be fired. He, I mean, seriously, he was here – Eight years and only made the play or nine years only made the playoffs three times. Right. So at the time he deserved to be fired. I really believe that. But we were saying that ten and six wasn't good enough. They're nowhere near ten wins ever without Lovey, except for one year with uh, Nagy. That was you know Phil Emery was hired as general manager and management said 
will hire you under the condition that you give Lovey at least one year. And Lovey made a mistake. I mean, uh, Phil Emery made a mistake. He had a coach on staff who won 10 games and was so close to the playoffs, he should have said, you know what, there's no way I can fire him. And he should have kept Lovey on another year because firing him after 10 and 6 was, you know, and ending up. What was just those play? It was those two, uh, those failures back to back. That seven and three that ended up in eight and eight, and seven and one that ended up ten and six, and neither team making the playoffs. I think that's why Lovey was fired. Mm-hmm. But okay, again, the guy cares about the team, and the players always played hard for him. Man, hell, he helped us get the first pick in the draft this year mm-hmm. by going for two and all that great stuff at the end of the year. When he's like, fuck it, I'm going to go, I'm going to win today and fuck the Texans over and help the Bears. Like, why not bring this guy back, man? I mean, because our current coach, he can't do it. He, he can't do it. If this was a relationship, there's no woman in America that wouldn't tell this motherfucker he's done. Like, our relationship's over. You're a failure. Uh, it's, it's over. And when he wears a hat on the sidelines, he looks like Tressman. So, he, it, like, his whole tenure is becoming Trussman. His hair in the back looks like Trussman. <laughs> Here's like, the thing, and uh, Hector Sombrano brings this up. It is it is uh, an interesting point, is Flus runs his cover two defense, and it's basically what Lovey would bring continue to run here. And it appears like the NFL offensive coordinators have started to figure out, you can't beat us by just sending in four guys. If you're going to keep that shell defense that the cover two is all about, you, you're not going to be, beat us. And so that is a scary proposition. Is Are we bringing in an old guy after having a new guy who had old ideas? Well, the idea to that is you maintain some level of continuity with your current roster. If you're going to play cover two the rest of the year, you might as well have Lovey run the cover two and inspire the players versus this other guy that they're tuning out and not listening to. I mean, you got players like Jalen Johnson going on the radio saying, dude, I'm getting, I'm, I'm tired of losing. Like I've never won any games here. And it's, oh, it, David Montgomery said that when he went to Detroit. So you get a guy in here that commands respect. And yeah, if it's, if the cover two's dead and he can't, uh, he can't bring us back. That's why you have him labeled as interim coach. And you yeah. say, Lovey, thank you for your service. Thank you for helping us. We get, we paid you nicely. Uh, right off into the sunset, bro. But otherwise, maybe he does turn it around. I, I, I would love for the Bears to win Sunday and then win Thursday and feel good for two weeks and somehow Eberflus gets the eye of the tiger here and inspires people and, and Field says, I, you know, I'm the man. I want that fifth-year contract, a fifth-year extension, and – and it all come together somehow. I think it's more plausible under Lovey, though. I think you've made a very compelling case. You got the chat room on fire with debate, discussion about the topic. Uh, I want to turn our attention now, though, to a guy who personally, I believe... Has had sex with Lovey. <laughs> <laughs> I stole that from where the one guy claimed he blew, he blew Obama or whatever. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I was going to say whose whose porn career was cut way too short. Uh, maybe we can get him to share that news with us someday. Uh, you know, I still watch my old VHS copies of uh, 
the tooch in bed with multiple women having sex. Those those were the good old days. Johnny Santucci, how are you, my friend? It's on my bucket list, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can get a good background here so I can include the, an image of my buddy. It's I, I did Aldo tell you I was afraid to come on the show because I would be sad for Dan for this the death of the season. I didn't mention I, that to him. Go ahead. I would be like I would swell with empathy for Dan, you know, that I might not be able to I get all choked up and you know, because I know how sad you, you were gonna be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad, man. For anybody that really, really cares, and I think everybody on the network does, mm-hmm. it's hard not to like put your heart into this thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. For sure. They're absolutely right. and you know, again, I'll say this. Again, last week in the uh, media mashup, um, Jalen, the cornerback of the Bears, was saying, you know, nobody takes it as bad as us Bears. I I think he's really underestimating the fan base. Um, Maybe he's played football elsewhere where the fans don't behave like us, but the core fans, and I'm talking about millions of fans, are – very, very passionate about this Chicago Bears team. I mean, we will literally cry. There's a young woman who does a podcast called uh, Chicago Bears. Clever title. So I asked her, send me a link. I want to see it. And the first podcast that I saw of hers, she's in tears after the Packers game. I love her. I love her. Why? Because I was in tears too. (laughs) Tooch was in tears. Dan was in tears. We were all so upset. And, and I'm going to have her on our show so, so she can share her passion with the Bears. But, you know, this means a lot to us. We buy all this shit. We're thinking about the team hours every day. We think about them during the offseason. Our our wives are saying or our spouses are saying, hey, what are you doing? I'm just checking out the latest news about what's happening at Alice Hall. It means a lot to us, Jalen Johnson. And all of you Chicago Bears players should know that. Maybe it would help you play a little better. I was trying to, really, before he goes into state of affairs, I was trying to formulate something similar to your wife a couple of weeks ago, and I failed at it. I I thought about that for some reason on the plane on the way home. It was like, I really wish I would have rewarded it. I I was essentially saying to her, like, if you were going through, like, cancer, like chemo or whatever, something really awful, if the Bears are winning, for some reason, that just makes everything seem better, even if it's, like, the worst scenario if somebody's died, somebody's died, you're dealing with the immense adversity. If the bears are winning, God damn it. It makes everything feel like there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. God's there with you. Something that just feels like something tangibly is helping you when this team is winning. And when they're losing, it just feels like mass chaos in the world. Republicans, Democrats, we hate each other. We, you know, there's fighting, fighting chaos. The world's ending. It, it feels like that. I, I did a terrible job of, of trying to convey my thoughts to her because she looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think what, uh, what's the most shocking or, or disheartening maybe that puts us in you know, this uh, state of funk where we are now is the failure on all four levels from ownership to management to coaching to players. Great point. You know? And it makes us just feel hopeless. Yes. That's a you know? really good way to, to put it. There is no confidence uh, in any of those four levels. I mean, yeah. and, and if you want to throw in a fifth level, the stadium, you know, yeah. 
uh, even Dan, so, so, he's so excited about coming to Chicago, but he he's starting to hate the stadium because of the way you get in and out of it, right, Dan? Yeah, to get to the game, like, yeah. again, I, I think Mrs. Gandia, again, for Sunday, this weekend, in the hotel, because Sylvester and I are going to be able to walk to the game, and that's all because of your wife. And, no, I mean, maybe you too. I mean, but to the Gandias. I'm just saying, but otherwise, you have to go park at that Millennium's parking center and then catch a bus and and then you got to get back on the bus and then the fucking track like jay and i were stuck in traffic like over an hour to move like 10 miles when we left uh we got back into his vehicle that night that's why you were like are you all okay i'm like yeah we're still trying to get back to arlington heights after the game is like three hours or something and then after a disappointing loss and you're in that traffic and then poor Jay had to drive like four or five hours to get home. Back to Michigan, yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. I felt like giving him a hug when he dropped you off. And I went straight to bed that night. I mean, we tried to – maybe we watched Winning Time. Then I went to bed. I was so yeah. disheartened from the game. I just wanted to go to sleep. I didn't even want to talk anymore. I just That's how I take – how personally I take these losses, man. I wish I could go to sleep and wake up and people tell me, hey, the Bears are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like you wake up with a beard you wake up with a beard and like there there was a sketch on snl in like 91 where chris farley took some nyquil and he slept the whole winter and woke up and he's like god damn i feel great and he had a beard down to his balls or whatever like I you almost, that. yeah you almost wish that could be what you're saying like you woke up and suddenly the bears were in the the super bowl <laughs> indeed <laughs> All right, Johnny Santucci, I know you've been working hard yeah. on this edition of Bear yeah. State Affairs. I, the stage is yours. I pre recorded it, right? Yes, you did. Are you so, going to? Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So you don't, you want to lead into it? Uh, nope, it's pre recorded. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I also have, uh, there, Tooch was at the uh, uh, House Hall press conference, which you can play later, too. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, here's uh, uh, Johnny Santucci's Bear State of Affairs. Bear State of Affairs, NFL 2023 season week for what's happening bar flies well the bears went ahead and did it they lost their 13th game in a row a 41 to 10 dismantling at the hands of the world champion chiefs it was a game the bears were absolutely never in in fact the chiefs ran up a sizable lead and were able to pull the starters in the third quarter as such the bears fell to 0 and 3 on a young and tumultuous season Matt Eberflus's record as Bears head coach fell to 3-17, the worst mark for a head coach in Bears history. Fans are upset, and with good reason. I've never seen a more uninspired and unprepared Bears team in my life. Three weeks in a row of terrible football, bad coaching, bad game plans, bad play calling, and poor execution by players. It's all there on the tape for the first three games. None of these players look like they want to win one for old Flusey. How many weeks in a row will the Bears come out and look unprepared for a game? Fans are worried. Will this season be worse than last season? Are the Bears in danger of becoming the first 0-17 team in NFL history, surpassing the 0-16 mark set by the 2008 Lions? Fans have questions. 
Like, how did we get here? After week one, we went back to the drawing board. After week two, the defensive coordinator resigned amid some secret scandal known only to the Bears' HR department and causing national embarrassment for the Bears. Week three, fans started burning their Justin Fields jerseys. I'm afraid to find out what week four's game at Soldier Field versus the Broncos will bring. By all early accounts, fans are asking for paper instead of plastic at the grocery store so they can wear the paper bag over their head at the game or at their local pubs. Yes, fans are upset, even angry. They're burning Bears jerseys on their way to grabbing pitchforks and lighting torches. They have questions. Are we in the middle of a rebuild or is this a secondary rebuild? If this is a secondary rebuild, are the Bears the first team in NFL history to rebuild in the middle of a rebuild? Maybe the Bears failed to tell their fans that there would be a secondary rebuild. Man, they really sucked us in with that one. Yes, Bears fans have questions. Justin Fields is playing terribly, but how much of that is coaching? And at this point, does it really matter? The the player looks broken. Here's Justin in July. Happy young man. Here's Justin just 24 hours ago. Wow. What have we done? (laughs) What have we done to this young man? Chicago Bears fans taking victory laps over Justin Fields failing as an NFL quarterback boggles my mind. You aren't a real fan if your irrelevant prediction about Fields being a bust means more to you than cheering on your team. You're just a douchebag. That's gotten to the point where maybe the Bears organization, their coaches, and the quarterback have all failed so miserably that it's nearly impossible, probably impractical, and likely beneficial for the coaches, the GM, and the quarterback to depart from the Bears organization and try and find success elsewhere. Don't believe me? Take a look around. We're beat writers, Bears Twitter pundits, and fans are all talking about writing about talking about or writing about who the next head coach will be and which quarterback the Bears will select in next year's draft. Savvy savvy Bears fans know at heart this is what we call systemic failure. Here, let me break it down for you. In 1999, the Bears considered hiring Bill Belichick as head coach, but instead chose Dave McGinnis, but botched the hire and he pulled out, giving us Dick Geron. In 2013, with Bruce Arians and Andy Reid on the open market, the Bears hired Mark Tressman. And in 2022, they brought Brian Daybowl in for one interview, didn't even talk to Mike McDaniels, and instead hired the uninspiring milk toast Matt Eberflus. At the time, rookie Bears GM Ram Poles insisted that Eberflus was the coach he wanted all along. Many Bears fans, myself included, yawned at the unspectacular but safe choice to hire Eberflus. Silently, though, Bears fans wondered if Eberflus was the best choice to develop an ascending quarterback talent like Justin Fields. Nowadays, we speculate that Poles isn't the right GM to find NFL talent or to even be in charge of rebuilding the NFL's oldest and most storied franchise. I wonder if Matt Eberflus really was Poles' choice for head coach. I can picture George McCaskey sitting in on all of these interviews, nodding silent approval at the choice he thinks is the best one. And maybe we found the reason why Bears ownership hires all these inexperienced first-time GMs. It's because they're unwilling to give over full control. Now, they'll say over and over again that the GM has full control over football operations. 
But we know that's never really true. Any one of us, were we ever to own an NFL franchise, would want to be apprised of every move that concerns our investment, our livelihood. If polls knew that rebuilds take years, perhaps Matt Eberflus was hired to tank this team. Maybe Coach Flus was set up to fail, to be the penultimate fall guy in a series of fall guys. It makes sense when you think about it. The team under Eberflus is seriously dysfunctional on and off the field. It hasn't seemed like there's a game plan in the games that Eberflus has coached, even though we all know there probably is one. It's possible that Eberflus and his staff are in over their heads. Getting out coached every week by other coaches is the likeliest outcome. You can see it in the press conferences this season. These coaches don't have any answers, neither do the players. Here's Matt Eberflus at his Chiefs postgame pressure. Quote, I'm not making excuses because we should be farther ahead. But we are playing together for the first time, practicing together for the first time. We're going to see it come together. Hey, coach, when someone says I'm not making excuses and then immediately makes an excuse after that, we all know you're full of crap. Yeah, we've, we've all seen this before. The coach and players become used to losing. The coach loses the locker room. Players check out, start looking for a change of scenery. We saw this with all the coaches who followed after Lovey Smith a coach we fired after he went 10-6. and six. Man, what I wouldn't give to be 10-6 and six this season. We haven't had much success at the head coaching hires after Coach Lovey. And Bears GMs, they haven't fared much better. The Bears' lack of success in the NFL draft has largely contributed to where we are now as well. Did you know the Bears won zero games since trading Roquan Smith? Roquan was arguably the last blue-chip talent the Bears drafted. Ironically, the Bears traded Smith for draft picks in order to get more blue-chip talent because they didn't have enough blue-chip talent. Today, it's quite possible that they still have no blue-chip talent. Man, I can't wait for the next outside consultant to help us with the next GM head coach search, which will likely bring in a hot coordinator with zero head coach experience. And that is... Bears State of Affairs. Whoops. Nicely done. Scorched earth there, although going scorched earth. <laughs> Leaving no prisoners. There you go. <laughs> Taking really? no prisoners, Danny. <laughs> Really, really well done. All right. We've got another treat here from uh, Tooch that, uh, you know what? I First of all, I want to, from the media mashup, there were a couple of things that I had listed. I'd love to hear Tooch and Dan's opinions on this. Yeah. Uh, Yurko was talking about Jalen Carter and, you know, yeah. that bypassing him was a mistake. And he makes a, a compelling case. He says, these are studs. These are alpha males. These are the guys that really, really – you know, turn your team around. Now we got a guy who could potentially be that in a very short order. Darnell Wright could be one of the best right tackles in football, but he's never going to be Jalen Carter, who is going to be such a disruptive force when against teams offenses. So my question to you guys, would you guys hindsight being 2020, would you guys have taken the risk of bringing in Carter 
and um, potentially having him disrupt the team with his off-the-field behavior or live with whatever he might bring off the field in return, you're getting an outstanding player. What do you guys think? Well, first off, uh, could he really disrupt the team any more than it is? I mean, maybe disruption is what the fucking team needs. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I can't, I can't sit around second-guessing. I was so annoyed for so many years when I had to hear, oh, you know, we took Trubisky. We could have had, we could have had, we could have had. I'm like, dude, it's five years ago. Let it go. Like, I, we drafted right. We got, we got to ride with him now. I don't even want to – I mean, and again, Carter's had a good three games. Maybe that means he's a Hall of Famer. Who knows? But it also could mean he tears his Achilles tendon in week five and is never, never plays again. So I don't know. Bright could still be a solid player. What do you think, Tooch? Well, look, uh, I think I've said before, I don't know whether it was State of Affairs or just on one of these shows here, that there's uh, premium positions in the NFL, you know, quarterback, left tackle, uh, uh, cornerback, edge rusher. You know, those are like the premium or pass rusher. Those are the premium positions in the NFL. Right tackle just isn't. I mean, I know, I know, darn, I love Darnell Wright. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the Bears have a dearth of blue chip talent, you know, and it, it shows an, a, an extreme lack of foresight by the uh, uh, the scouting department and, you know, the unwilling. If you didn't have coaches in place that could make something out of Jalen Carter, why did you hire the coaches? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Darnell Wright wasn't a bad pick. It was It was the safe pick. You know, we're, right. we're in the, we're in the, it, it was the, the, we're in the middle of a, of a multi-year rebuild pick, Yeah. you know, but if you want to get uh, quicker, you need blue chip town, Jalen Carter's blue chip. Town. Well, right. to respond to that just quickly, not disagreeing with Tutor on that one of the important 85 bears that no one talks about is Keith Van Horn. He wasn't a sexy uh, pick, but he's a solid right tackle. who gave us a decade of his yeah. life starting in the NFL. So you got to have good offensive linemen too. And that was the first offensive lineman we took in the top 10 since 1983. And we wonder why the line isn't good. Keith Van Horn used to fill in overnights on WXRT, if anybody remembers. Oh, I didn't know that. Just jockey spinning on XRT, like late night. Wow. Dan, you're not familiar with XRT, are you? No, no. Radio uh, station in the world. He there. Dan would love that radio station. Yeah. It's it's, it's awesome. really one of the yep. great progressive radio stations in America. Yep. But all right, I want to share with you my thoughts on Carter. First of all, I understand why it was too risky for Ryan Pauls to select Jalen Carter because he's trying to build a culture. It's it, you know somebody Ross Reed uh, who is a co-host here on the Barroom Network on Wednesday six o'clock Mac and Reed he he tweeted out um, you know well the culture's already screwed up and Dan just said that earlier but here's my thinking of it well it's screwed up because that's what you inherited and so you're trying to fix it and so are you compounding the problem when you're hiring a guy who ran away from the scene of, 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 of a deadly crash. Uh, that to me, plus Ryan Poles spent a, an, almost an entire weekend with Carter and got the sense that from a maturity standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint, from this and that, the, the safer pick was Darnell Wright. 
not as good a player, but you need offensive line. And then the last point on that is we're always complaining. How come we don't invest first-round draft picks on, on offensive linemen? Well, we did this time, and we bypassed a great player, but we did get a fourth-rounder for next season by bypassing him. Who knows? Maybe that's going to be a, a really integral part of our rebuild and our, our future success. But I also understand watching Jalen Carter play these. Uh, I saw two of the three games this season. Yeah, I'm thinking, man, that would have been fucking nice, especially with the defense that we run. Yeah, you it's need the most that... critical part of the defense that Eberflus runs. Right. You need that in, interior disruption, and he he delivers that in a big way. So I wanted to get your guys' takes on that. Um, yeah. And then there was one other thing. Um, Is it possible that Jalen Carter didn't want to play for the Bears, just came in just like – Blew the interview on purpose. I, you know, well, at the time the Bears had the number one overall pick, so yeah. he he would have really been destroying his, you know, wealth uh, yeah. by by behaving that way. But he, hey, Aldo, real quick sub reference: Did you ever hear the story that Isaiah was trying to do that to get to the Bulls? That when he went into the Pistons meeting, he was like giving stupid answers and shit. And Jack, what was his name? Jack McCluskey. McCluskey. Yeah, the, Yes. Yeah, he looked over at him and said, I know what you're trying to do, and you're my guy, so get used to it. If you're there, oh. I'm taking you. But oh, Isaiah, Isaiah wow. wanted to be a bull and was giving bad answers on purpose. Yeah, St. Joseph's High School, right, in Maywood? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, that would be a great uh, HBO series or Showtime or premium channel series, the whole Isaiah Thomas coming out of Chicago slums, going on to Indiana, having a good college career for a year, going on to the pros, wanting to play for the Bulls, lying to the yep. Pistons. They grab him anyway. Now the Bulls become his arch nemesis. Oh, what a fucking story. <laughs> and, and even if you don't think that Jordan really did cost him the dream team, you could put that in the show, though, and oh. just focus on, like, instead of the Bulls-Celtics or uh, Celtics-Lakers, Bulls-Pistons. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you can get five or six seasons out of that. Yeah, and it would be rated hard R for violence because those fucking <laughs> <are so> dirty. <laughs> All right, uh, Tooch, you've got something special for us. I'm going to turn the stage over to you. Yep, uh, while you guys were doing the post-game show, I went to Hallis Hall and uh, uh, got – you know, was part of the press corps, got to cool. ask Coach Coach Eberflus a couple questions. Nice. Oh, you want me to play it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to find it. But yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Hi, Coach Eberflus. This is Tooch with the Byron Network. A couple questions here. What was your initial assessment of the game in Kansas City? Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Coach, can you tell us how you felt the players and coaches did against the Chiefs? They're crap. 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 Mega crap. Coach, you've, you've, coach, you've lost 13 games in a row. Where does the team go from here? Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? All right, Coach, thank you. This is Tooch with Barroom Network. Be sure to check out all the great content we have on Barroom Network, All Bears content. This is Tooch signing off. This is why I love losing seasons because we get super creative around here. You know, I'm muting myself. You're muted. We get super creative. That, that was good. That was very funny. <laughs>
Yeah, I'm a Gemini. I laugh at life. It's the only way for me to deal with the pain, all those laughs. Yeah, that's what I told Dan at the beginning of the show. It's the only way to deal with what's going on is either walk away from it or laugh at it. At this point, you, we got to laugh. We got to have some fun here, guys. Uh, and the community of barflies that gets together for this show, this is the perfect show to have some laughs and, and talk about sex and movies and, and how disastrous it is to be a Bears fan. <laughs> Uh, Dan, would you say that through three games, this is definitely the worst start of a season that you've experienced? I said this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, and I mean it. I'm not; it's not hyperbole. This is the first time because, again, 2016, they were three and 13. It's it sucked. It was terrible. Uh, you when you're like, oh, is Matt Barkley the guy? That was a terrible season. But I I still. I was like, oh, that Jordan Howard kid's running people over, man. It's fun. It's fun to watch that guy. I like him. I think he's going to be good. Like, I still had something to hold on to. Mm -hmm. I, this is the most hopeless I have felt since Kramer was hurt and won. He was like, we're oh, we're going to have to play Steve Stenstrom the rest of the way. And, of course, Stenstrom, I think Moses Moreno got one start, and Steve was like one and six, and Moreno was uh, oh and one. I, I think that's how it went. I don't know. But I haven't felt this hopeless and just like, oh, my God, they're going to get blown out. And and I hope that when I'm watching that they're somehow going to do – this is the most just <laughs> down I've been about the Bears since 1998. Wow. With Steve Stenstrom. Yeah. And they've had a lot of losing in, in there in the middle of that. Yeah. But I just was like, this guy can't play. They they won't win a game with him. They won't win a fucking game. And the only reason they did win a game is because James Allen ran for like 170 yards on Baltimore that year. It's the only reason they won that game. But uh, yeah, this this team, it, it's if it's a train to use the cliche, it's off the tracks here, man. It's mm -hmm. dysfunctional isn't poignant enough. Yeah, you know, and I was uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you two guys about was I spent some time on social media, uh, and a, a lot of people are saying that the Chicago Bears, just as an organization, ruin quarterbacks. And it's hard to argue about that, but the word organization kind of strikes me as weird because I immediately think of McCaskey and, you know, all, yeah. all the upper guys. And those guys really don't have anything to do with the development of the quarterback there. The issue is, is that they allow the general manager and coach to make these mistakes. And they, George McCaskey and whoever he hires or whoever's hire part of these hiring committees don't make good decisions on building the players responsible for developing quarterbacks. That's the issue. I hate to use the word organization, but I guess I guess that's the right word because they are behind the decision-making on who's going to develop these quarterbacks. So my question to you, Tooch, I'll start with you. Do you think that Justin Fields could be developed into a good quarterback by the proper coach, or do you think – it's pretty obvious now. Three seasons, three seasons in, he's not any better than Mitchell Trubisky at seeing the field. I, offhand, I would say yes. I mean, we, we, there's good coaches out there like Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid that they, for what, for whatever what reason or however they do it, they coach the quarterback, you know, to win in their system. You know, they're 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 working to the strengths of of the player. You know, we're always like trying to fit the player to the system. You know, rather than, 
you know, design the system around the player. And for whatever reason, we've never found coaches that know how to, to teach quarterback. And when I watch those JT O'Sullivan videos, you just like, you need a guy like that explaining it to Justin Fields. You know, here's the read. Here's how you, this ball has to come out right here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know whether I, I'm, he'd probably be getting that in hindsight. You know, yeah. when he watches film with breaking it down the next day, and he's going, "I need a third hand to face palm." But <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, uh, he he he's got to be coached to uh, to recognize it before we get to the film session, and, right. and you know, do the things that need to do before we get to that bad film session. What do you think, Dan? I think Fields is. We, we were talking about his disposition, seeming seeming like he's depressed. I I think when he's heard that you know you're five and twenty three, starter, I think all that's getting to him. I think the guy's giving us what he's got. He's underplaying. He knows he's not doing it, but he wants to do it. He's trying to give us all he everything he's got. Mm-hmm. And. If the question is, do I think another coach could salvage him? Of course, it's plausible. I With this coaching staff, I'm getting less and less confident that he's ever going to amount to anything as a bear. And that's we had so much optimism in the summer and all of it being gone so quickly. I don't know if that's ever happened before as a Bears fan. Yeah, yeah all, that, all that great stuff that Justin did last year is probably on accident. It wasn't the coaches at all. I'm just going <laughs> to go out of limb here and say, say that. But. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've thought about that. You know, he had that what six eight game streak where he was yeah. just the most exciting player in football. Like How did that happen? Runs, yeah. Oh, and, and just so thrilling. And, and you know, how did that happen? I don't think that was by design. I I think that the Bears coaches saw it and they said, "Oh, well, it's okay to create some design plays for him." We really didn't think he had that ability. Well, that's pretty fucking stupid that you wouldn't know that. I put up on uh, on X Twitter. Did they X. watch him play at Ohio State at all? Yeah, exactly. I'm just wondering. <laughs> well, he wasn't really. He was a pocket passer at Ohio yeah. State, but the thing is, is that he had 20 seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. And he had a great set of wide receivers who would get he open. He did some running though too, but yeah, yeah, he did. He did some running, and, and in fact, that he busted up his ribs on yeah. one play where he ran. But my point is that it seems to me like what we need is a creative coach. As I put this up on Twitter. You know, what do you think about having Tyson Bajet be the quarterback for about 20, 25% of the plays? And on those plays, you don't take Justin Fields off the off the field. You put him in at wide receiver, running back. Use him creatively like Cordell uh, slash Stewart was used, like Taysom Hill is used. And it was unbelievable the comments that I would get back. Ah, this isn't Pop Warner football. Oh, you've been drinking too much or whatever. And I'm like, I'm trying to think of some innovative solutions here to get the most out of this unique talent and hide his deficiencies. Plus, it would also give us an opportunity to see what Tyson Bajan can do out of the pocket. Could he run this offense better? I thought I it would be it. a good idea. I love it. I mean, look, if uh, one, one, it's it's innovative, and two, it's uh, it, it's thinking outside the box, and three, you're you know you're uh, you're giving you know a look at Justin Fields and other you know places where you can take advantage of that speed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we don't have anything to lose at this point. Also, yeah, I, throw that out there. <laughs> Cordell Stewart did that in 1995, but yeah. Neil O'Donnell was the quarterback. Cordell was a rookie. Cordell did not do that after starting at quarterback X amount of games. 
And Taysom Hill was a guy that no one knew who the fuck he was, so he was just desperate to get on the field. Like mm-hmm. so, like Jordan says, I don't know if Justin has that in him because if he makes that switch and starts to make plays, then suddenly he's Marlon Briscoe. He's the quarterback who's now a wide receiver, and I don't know if he wants to do that. Yeah, I would say, listen, Justin, you know, we got some ideas here. You're still going to throw from the pocket. You're still going to throw from running around. You're still going to run from the quarterback position. Uh, and But uh, putting you out on an island, one-on-one against the cornerback, I want to send you deep and have Tyson throw the ball to you. I want to see you get a handoff on a jet sweep. Uh, I want to do a jet sweep with you where you got the option to throw. Get him geared up. Get him excited about this possibility of being the most unique quarterback in NFL history. I don't know. He is prideful, Jordan. I understand that. But I, I don't know. I think he I think he might like it if it was presented by somebody other than Matt Eberflus. <laughs> <laughs> or Luke Getzey. Or a Lugetsi, right? <laughs> I, I, I like the idea. Plus, and somebody said, you know, enough about Beijing, Mr. Mayhem. Here's the thing yeah. about. Can we talk uh, about that? I think we have to talk about it. I'll just say yeah. this quick and turn it over to you, Tooch. You know, what Brock Purdy did last year, where he unseated Trey Lance, uh, he, he basically took over for him because of injury and then took over for uh, Garoppolo, yeah. blah, whatever the order was. But he came in and proved that a the last guy picked in the draft, sort of like a Tyson Bajant, he was an undrafted free yeah. agent, can come in and lead an NFL team to victories and get them into the playoffs. That's evidence that it can happen. And what I saw with my two own eyes is that Tyson Bajant has abilities – to move this offense. He's he reminds me a little bit of Tua where he gets the ball, plants his back foot after taking a 3 or 5 step drop and fires that ball. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that if he plays against the Commanders or the, whoever, but I'd like to see it. I I'd like to see it because Brock Purdy proved that it could be done. Go ahead, Tuch. I mean, with the Bajant thing, I I I get it. You know, but there, there's so many uh, swirling things swirling around the situation. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if, if you if you pull Justin Fields for Tyson Bajant, one, you probably aren't going to do any worse. You know, we may even win one more game. He might win one more game than uh, than Fields, mm-hmm. you know, but you diminish any value if you're if you're planning on trading Fields, you know, you diminish diminish any uh, a lot of trade value there, you know, mm-hmm. but. After a while, you, you might have to just say, look, uh, Fields, you know, grab a seat. You know, this season, we're not making the playoffs. We want to see what we have with Tyson Bajant. Let him play a little bit. You could do that, too. You know, uh, someone said if, if uh, Fields gets injured, Bajant might come in soon, sooner than later. You know, but and we also have, like, when's the, when's the right time to bring him in, you know? And it might just be after the week 13 bye, which, is, you know, would give him an extra week to prepare. You know, you could you could say maybe after the uh, the Commanders game, if it, if it gets that bad, I mean that would uh, Fields would really have to suck for two games. By then, all all trade value is completely gone after mm-hmm. that. You know, you're looking yeah. at a, 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 a I, I don't know what uh, what the Cowboys gave up for Trey Lance. I think it was fourth a, round, a fourth. fourth round pick. You know, you, you might not get that for Justin Fields. You might. Get no, that. I think you would. I, I yeah. definitely think you would. I, somebody, will, you know, I mean, he's a faster than Trey Lance. Yeah. He's got a better arm than Trey Lance. He's got 
NFL experience, Trey Lance doesn't. So I think he could get a third rounder. Who yeah. knows? Maybe even you know a second rounder if you also if the Bears also release a fifth rounder. Yeah, quickly, yep. quickly, Dan, hold on. Uh, uh, Purdy, is, according to Swift, Purdy started in the Big Twelve for four years, not Division Two. Also, Purdy yep. didn't start till Week Fourteen. It's Week Four. I get that. I totally, yep. totally get that. And I'm not saying that. Tyson Bajan should be starting in week four. What I am saying is a gradual progression. Bring him in for some plays. Don't take Justin Fields off the field when you do that. And let's see what he can do. And then if you're if the season is a disaster, by that after week 13, you know, uh, that's when I would like to see him play against the Lions, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Packers, just to see what you got. So to know if you are going to be drafting a quarterback, we have to take a look at this kid because he did show a little bit of promise. And I thought, even if it's just two games, the final two games of the season, I want to see him if, again, if, huge if, if Fields continues to flounder, you know, 99 yards, a passing game, ain't going to fucking do it. Uh, yeah. So, Dan, your thoughts. I'm so down that this is where we are, <laughs> especially this quickly. Yep. I really believed in this guy, man. I, I did. I thought he was finally the I thought we drafted the right guy. And the fact that by week two, it seemed evident that, man, the writing's on the wall. The writing is on the wall. If we start him 13 games, if he starts fucking 17 games, we already know what the outcome is. I mean, more than likely, he's going to be gone. He's not going to be here past that first that first contract. And I had so many hopes and aspirations and, you know, oh, he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and he's so dynamic and he's, he's the fucking one. You remember Nixon had that Nixon's the one Yes, and Fields is the one. I thought he's the fucking one, and and it's it's clear that he's kind of not, and and I hate it because I, I I still there's a certain sense in in my psyche that's like oh I just want him to like really just be able to shove his dick in everybody's mouth and come back and win like eight or nine games, but he's only won five, period, let alone consecutively. Right. I I don't know if it's plausible, but with regards to uh, the 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 Tyson Bajant. <sighs> Again, I didn't want to be here, but if you're going to draft a quarterback with one of those two picks, you should probably see how imminent that it is. Like, do you have something with Bajant? Or do you just go ahead and, and try to get a, a quarterback with one of those two picks? You got to see what he's got then if you're in the market. So he has to play at some point if you're going to pull the plug on, on fields. Right. And I and I hate to do that. But but if you put him in there, you're probably committed to moving fields in the offseason too. Right. And if, if you need to find out if you want to pick up fields fifth-year option, which is going to be over $20 million, that's what he would get in, in, in two seasons. That would be the 2025 season, over $20 million. And so It's that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think I don't see that happening, but you got to know for sure because starting on Sunday against the Broncos, he could rush for 100 yards and maybe throw for 250, 300 yards. It's that could possibly happen if things start to click, you know, with everybody. Nobody fucking making mistakes. Chase Claypool not missing blocks. The right guard not fucking pulling when he should be pulling. When fucking Eberflus, you know, doesn't have a, a 
I was going to say something dirty, but I better not. Um, so it, it could, I, I don't know. I still hold out a sliver of hope that he could be the one. He could be the chosen one. Sliver of hope. I want to give him an opportunity to do that. Jordan says, you play fields until he – and it, it's inevitable he gets banged up. Oh, that he inevitably gets banged up and then give Bajent his chance. Well, that's, that's another reason why having him play – these different positions might be kind of interesting because he would get banged up a bit. Um, but that's the kind of player I'll, I just have to go back to this Dan and I, and the other Dan at the Miami dolphins, it's one of the greatest sporting events I've been to in my whole life. What I saw, uh, uh, Justin Fields do on that football field. And he did it mostly with his legs, but he did also throw some good passes. I, I, why can't we get that back? 100 yards rushing and 200-plus yards passing, that's possible because I've seen it with my very eyes. I was at the stadium. I saw it. Ah, fucking shit. (laughs) And, you know, we haven't even touched on, you know, the pass, the dime he threw to DJ Moore, boom, hits him in the hands, dropped. DJ Moore drops it. Khalil Herbert fumbles. Uh you know, defensive breakdowns. So I saw one of the, the cats in the chat room earlier, I forget who it was, was saying, you know, it's not all Fields' fault. And and that's true, man. The whole team got beaten on Sunday. I mean, when Fields, when it's throwing good passes and they drop it or they fumble immediately and the defense, it, the inability to make any adjustments where Kansas City's running the same play. You know what was most sickening? Is they their first scoring play was that little flip that Nagy ran constantly here and never worked. But against the fucking Bears, it's a touchdown. Oh, that felt like a cold jab to my balls. <laughs> he it, Nagy did that on purpose. He he did that to either fuck with the Bears Bears organization or to fuck with the fans, Bears fans, who were so critical of that uh, play, or to everything and everyone in Chicago. He did that on purpose. And when he that ran happened, that with Trey Burton constantly that first year. Oh yeah. Yeah, when that play happened at Kansas City to the Bears, that's when I started laughing. I'm like, you motherfucker, you are just fucking with us. Why does everybody have a Bears revenge game, but we never have the revenge game against the other guy? Never. Ah, that's true. Never. Jesus, I, I, man. I, 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 well, I, we have to go back to the 80s, right? The the Bears revenge game against the San Francisco 49ers. They put the fridge in at the yeah. halfback position. He scores. That's the last revenge game I can remember. I don't know about your, your great memory, Dan. Tooch. I'd have to really think about it, but when you have an individual player. Tyler. I guess, you know, <laughs> in the uh, – in the 09 preseason, after we acquired Cutler, he went to Denver and put on a show and beat Denver out there. It was a preseason game, but mm-hmm. the vitriol that Jay had that day, they had like like babies. They were calling him a baby and had like sh- like they were hanging him and all kinds of shit in the stands. So, I mean, it was the, the vitriol of a, a, certainly a playoff game, and Jay went out there and, and lit them up with the Bears in the 09 preseason, but he did it and uh, right after the trade. That's the only one I can think of recently. Yeah. By the way, I put those three games uh, on Twitter highlights from those three Bears victories at Harrowhead. And it was so much oh. fun going back and watching those. You know, and everybody here, I'm, I'm sure, remembers the Jay Cutler to Matt Forte touchdown. 
with seconds left. I mean, what an inspiring win that was, man. And you just believed that Jay could be the guy, you know? Yeah. Again, again, an organizational failure, not giving him the best offensive line, not giving him enough weapons. Um, yeah. And that was that was Hironis Grassou's first start because the, the center we had signed that year, Montgomery, broke he broke his leg against the Raiders and never yeah. played again. So we had to start Grassou, who was terrible. And oh. that was – that was the first game that we put Cam Meredith at wide receiver because remember he was a quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had dudes from the fucking practice squad playing wide receiver that day. Cam Meredith and Marquise Wilson and Jay still led the comeback because yeah. Alshon had a, had a vagina or vaginal injury that day. Mm-hmm. You know he was always hurt as a bear, always taking time off. So he's the guy, the co-worker that calls in sick, and you know that motherfucker's not sick. Exactly. <laughs> at, at the end of last year, although you and I were saying that uh, Fields would break the bank, like two hundred million dollars plus contract, you know, now we're just like, man, is he going to get another shot in the NFL? You know, I, th- I, I, I think anyone that is saying that, like you just said, I, I think that's too premature. I don't I think don't, that. I don't think people are thinking he's not an NFL caliber player. Yeah, uh, but he's the two hundred million has vanished. Yeah, totally you know, agree. Like. It's totally, so, that's terrible. Sad. Yes, Sam. Yes, when he met the media, it, but, when yeah. he met the media Sunday after the game, and he started saying, you know, I'm looking at the little things now, like how you know I'm blessed to play this game and so forth. That told yeah. me, yeah, he's he's lamenting the fact he's not going to get that two hundred million dollars. Yeah, he felt yeah. so defeated. Yeah, yeah. it just it, like when I heard that, it felt like a guy was checked out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now he yeah. didn't on the field. He didn't like he gave his, his all on the field, but it looked like a guy that would just he knows the season's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike North said, uh, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky got a twenty million dollar contract with the Steelers, so Justin over over three years, yeah, over three yeah. years. So Justin, yeah. you know, he's he's got that's a fallback. Always, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying. By the way, if you guys did not see the uh, Mike North press conference brought to uh, us by Raul Jewelers, and thanks to Raul Jewelers up in Hoffman yeah. States, you really should take a look at it. It's 45 minutes. If you like humor, I mean, it, Mike North, a lot of people don't get what he's doing. He's poking fun. He's he's trying to get a rise out of you. He's he's. You know, and some of the stuff he really believes, but some of the some of the things that he says, I know he doesn't believe, but he he just wants to fuck with people uh, because that's how he's always been. Mike North has a history; he's in the uh, 16 inch softball Hall of Fame here in Chicago. Yep. And every game, every pitch that he threw, he was a pitcher, it was also loaded with trash talk. <laughs> and that's what he did at, 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 at his career as a radio, and that's what he's done here at the barroom. So if you like that kind of stuff, check out uh, his show today. It was a lot of laughs. Um, guys, we've got about 20 minutes left. Is there anything regarding pop culture that you guys wanted to talk about other than Taylor Swift and Travis uh, Kelsey? Are- I could take up the whole 20 <laughs> minutes on, on Fox's broadcast. I was so <laughs> pissed off. So pissed off. If you can give me a minute here, I'll try to be quick. Take 10. (laughs) Our our demographic for this game is male. Now, I know there are females that are watching. It's not the female that's fawning over Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. Greg Olson, oh, my God, he was terrible. He's on there saying, 1989 is my favorite record. I'm like, who the fuck is he pandering to here? Is he on the Nickelodeon broadcast? 
And then uh, Jay, Jay and I had us counting. At one point, it was like, there's 20 references to Taylor. 21, 22, 23. At 30, we quit. Because re- even when they weren't showing her, they kept talking about her. Again, who is your target audience here? Or is it the person watching the Bears Chiefs game that cares about the red carpet? Who's watching? Are we watching the E Entertainment Network? We're watching the NFL on Fox. I tweeted him. I said, I've never missed Buck. I know you're not going to respond. I know you don't care. I've never missed Buck and Aikman in my life until today. Greg Olson was disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. And that Kirk or whoever the fuck the other guy was, that it, the NFL on Fox has been going since 1994 when they took the NFC package from CBS. This was the worst broadcast they've had in that 1994 to 2023 run in any game. In any game is the worst broadcast they've had. Those two guys deserve to be on the fifth team this week. First off, they were saying shit like, oh, did you see Mahomes' commercial with Andy Reid and the Nuggies? Like, dude, are we working for Chiefs Radio here? Between that and Taylor Swift, can we get a little bit of objectivity? Especially when a guy's just been handed the number one gig like Greg Olson uh, because uh, Troy Aikman wanted to leave. And then now he's got Brady coming in next year is going to take his gig anyway, and he deserves it. Like, I don't give a fuck if he wore 82 for the Bears or not. I should take that jersey and clean cat litter with it. Like, he was a disgrace that day, an utter disgrace. What do you think, Tooch? Uh, about the whole Taylor Swift? Yeah, do you, do you agree with Dan that the oh, whole yeah. Taylor Swift brutal. thing was blown out of proportion yeah. And, yeah. and Fox did a bad job torture. covering it? Complete torture for the viewer. Yeah. Even if the Bears were winning, it's not because I was just in a bad mood. Like, uh, yeah. I, I acknowledge Taylor Swift is the biggest star in music. When her tour shuts down Ticketmaster, look, she I don't like her music, but she's great at what she does. Mm-hmm. Okay? I won't take that away from her. That does not mean that we should have to have her force-fed down her throats on the NFL on Fox. She's at a game. So fucking What? Why do we have to keep talking about it? They had so many stories to talk about with the Bears. Alan Williams, Justin Fields, you know, all these storylines. He he criticized the coaches. He backtracked. The one guy, the FBI is supposed to come in. Charles Tillman was supposed to come in. His dick. I mean, who knows? They could go off. The, you have material there. You have so yeah. much material. But I, instead, I, they decided to fucking like lust after Taylor Swift, like, like Greg had never had any pussy and he was 14 or something. It just, it was just disgraceful. I wish we could talk to him on the air so I could tell him how bad he fucking sucked on Sunday. You should send him a, a post. Uh, oh, then he would say, oh, my kid was sick a few years ago or some bullshit. It would be, it'd be, I'm the asshole because he fucking pandered to tweens all day who are not his demographic or target audience. I got to tell you, it didn't bother me, and it certainly didn't bother me anywhere as close as as it bothered Dan. I mean, like you you pointed out, Dan, she is the biggest uh, music superstar in the world. And so this was a great opportunity for Fox to increase their demographic, to, to spread it out. Uh, uh, let me see if I can put this up real, real quick, guys. This is uh, Peyton, Jared Peyton. Still got a try to get him on our show here. Uh, he got video of Travis Kelsey and, uh, and uh, what's her name, Taylor Swift, 
leaving the stadium and he posted it and it just millions of views. And here's a video somebody posted of a bunch of young ladies seeing that video. Look at their reaction to the, the whole Taylor Swift is dating a football player thing. I'm not seeing the video. Are you not? Uh-uh. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Okay, there it is. You see it now? I can't hear it, though. No. Oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not playing it now. Hold on. Let me see if I can play it from that size. Hold on. So, young girl sees the video. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine, but Jared Payton's video wasn't aired during the game. And like I, the, the, the game shouldn't be secondary to who's in attendance. I I agree. I agree, but yep. let me turn this off because these women are driving me crazy. <laughs> um, but it, from a marketing standpoint, a television marketing, league marketing, that was fucking gold that and i look at it from a producer's eyes having been a television producer uh and, and radio producer i'm looking at it from those eyes that was fucking gold now did they go to her too much yeah you can make that you know i was too busy crying about the, about the you were upset remember you were upset in week one when they kept showing jordan loves mom they showed yeah. jordan loves mom like one sixteenth of the times they showed a reference taylor swift Oh, well, and, yeah. I mean, but Jordan Love's mom is different. But at least she was at Swift. the game and rooting on her son. Like, I could understand that being pertinent to the storyline of the Bears-Packers. Like, I get it. Taylor Swift's there. You do a couple of cutaways, acknowledge it. But, man, it was like they were fawning over her. Like, again, like Greg Olson was 14 and never gotten laid before. To even say that that was his favorite record of all time, do you really believe that? Do you believe in one su fucking second, 1989 by Taylor Swift is his favorite record? Who no. is he saying that for? I don't believe him only because when he was in college, he did. He was a rapper, and he actually yeah, he had, was G Reg, right? G yeah, very salacious, uh, very salacious uh, lyrics to his songs, and he quickly like hid that from his past because he wants to go mainstream and be a big time. He wants to be the next John Madden and he's not off to a bad start. I'll tell you. Uh, he's not off to a good start given the other day. Cause you believe Pat Summerall to ever hoard himself out for that. What they did the other day, absolute disgraceful. And you know, everybody that hates Cutler as he and G reg got along really well. So maybe Olsen's an asshole too. <laughs> <laughs> Mike says Kelsey got that for getting a clot shot. I'm not sure what that means, Mike, but I, I got a feeling I think I know. And wasn't Taylor at the Super Bowl wearing an Eagles jersey just last February? Yeah, she so, was. Yeah. Yes. Jesus Christ, to someone to flip-flop. I thought Danica Patrick was the flip-flopper. Uh, you know, there's a segment of Bears or football fans, male and female, that, you know, one season they're rooting for one team, the next. I don't have a problem with that. I do. They're flip-flop. She's flip-flopping more than John Kerry did in the Swift Boat controversy. So, 
<laughs> you're you're pro-abortion. You want to give women the choice? They should have the choice about football teams too, Dan Aguirre. Oh my god, yeah, but like God, if you're a lifelong Bears fan, but you're suddenly you fucking Aaron Rodgers, so you have to be a Packers fan. Come on, man. You're not really a Bears fan then. I, I agree with you. You know, the level of fan addicts fantasies whatever the word is of a fandom the level varies from person to person you know like i think dan you're a much bigger maybe i shouldn't use that adjective much you're a bigger bears fan than i am you know I, 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 no no yes you are yes, none you of are. us are any more than anybody else i mean for real we all have no you can't quantify that okay do are you a bigger bears fan than jordan I can't quantify that against Jordan. Ah, come on. Now, Jordan says a lot of things that make me like, you remember when Fat Mike had the Brett Favre Packers jersey that he wore? Yes. I, if you told me that Jordan secretly wore Green Bay gear, I would believe it. He wore but, San Diego Chargers. <laughs> but, but I can't say I'm a bigger fan than Jordan. I mean. I think you are just because you won't even watch another fucking football game. Jordan is watching every NFL game and looking at it for, you know, as a student slash teacher perspective, <laughs> Jordan, I'm waiting for a, a bigger response other than ha ha ha. <laughs> so I think Jordan is an NFL fan and I used to be, I used yeah. to be an NFL fan no. and I'm just a bears fan now. Like I, I'll watch the playoffs and the super bowl and it inevitably doesn't include me, but I, I did used to watch every Monday night game and, you know, every, even if the NFL played on Saturday when college was over, I was watching those games, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And I loved the Sunday ticket, like to watch this when the bears game was over to watch the 4 PM Eastern games. I don't watch shit now, man. The bears are over. I listen to Hamp and OB scream or I'll turn on the bar room and then, and then I'm done with it until next week. But unless the bears win, then I might check out other games. Right. I, I mean, I think, I think you're a bigger fan than I am, and I think I'm a bigger fan than Tooch. Would you argue with me on that, Tooch? No, well, at the moment, definitely no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look around at your basement, Aldo. Come on. I mean, look around at your basement. How how yeah. can anyone say they're a bigger bear fan than you are? Well, you know, just because I decided my decor would be, yeah. you know, primarily Bears stuff doesn't mean, you know, like, for, I'll tell you, here's why I feel the way I feel. It's because I'm able to laugh at the Bears now. I don't think, Dan, you can laugh at the Bears. You yeah. you either have to run away or you are going to choose to be incredibly miserable because of your love for this team. I, on the other hand, I'll I'll, I'll cry for 30 seconds and then – Fuck it, I'm on to something else. I'll read a book. This is I'll something go... I wanted to go back to, although kind of, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, one, are, are the Bears the worst team in the NFL? Because you look like Dan yes. brought up the Cardinals and the Cowboys. You look like the Cardinals need a quarterback and they're 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 supposed to be tanking. And those players are playing hard. Man, I watched that game. Mm -hmm. I watched the Cardinals game playing the playing the Cowboys. And, uh, I, I, was, I was watching uh, what is it called? Yeah. Red Zone, where they go from yeah, Red to Zone. Game. Exactly. It's always, I um, hate the Red Zone. I want to watch the Bears game. So I don't want to have anybody bother like, me with. I don't like, want to be bothered oh, by other right. games. Just right. let me. Like I saw that people across the country were losing the Bears feed. Mm -hmm. That would have driven me fucking mad. Like if they, <laughs> uh, if the Bears are losing by forty, you better not turn the game and give me a, some other shit game. Like I'm paying for your product to watch the Bears. 
Like if they had pulled my feet, I would have been infuriated. Like, no, I don't want to watch the other fucking game. It's more competitive. And uh, like, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I see the Cardinals. They're supposed to be tanking. And those players are playing fucking hard. They don't even have a good roster. They traded for Joshua Dobbs like two weeks before the season started. You know, yeah. I made him the starting quarterback. You know? I, I, I'm I with Swift here. And I understand what Dan is saying. If the Bears game is on, I, yeah. I'm not watching NFL Red Zone. I'm watching every millisecond of that Chicago Bears broadcast. But when the Bears are not playing the morning game or the afternoon That's game, great. I'm on NFL Red Zone. And I'll tell you one thing. I used to do cocaine in the 80s. Yeah, it's like cocaine. Yeah. It really effing is. It, is. Man, it's <laughs> it like really effing. One beer and NFL Red Zone, and I'm back in the 80s, man. <laughs> and so if you guys think, I mean, we probably are the worst team in the NFL. We're headed for the number one overall pick again. We're, we're like the Lions now. Uh, I could say that now that Don Bear, I don't see him in the chat room. So no, I think he's I'm gone. Safe. I'm safe. <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to say, like, uh, uh, the point that we're at, you know, with the Bears this year, you know, it, it's definitely worse than last year. So we didn't improve at all. We actually regressed. But as, has it gotten to the point where, uh, like I said, the all four levels, all four levels have failed so spectacularly that it's kind of like bringing back Poles, Eberflus, uh, uh, fields, it should be better off to just like, okay, you know, I'm done with you. I don't even think we should give full polls a second chance. You know, I think a, a whole clean slate with Warren making the decisions, uh, because Warren came in after this whole mess. You know, I think he does, he, he's the only guy that deserves a second chance yeah. right now, you know, because uh, there's a lot of things you can pin on polls too, man. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, uh, I'm not, I don't think his draft was all that, you know, and he had the number one fucking pick. Yeah. You know, but I I understand like he, he couldn't get a lot of stuff for that number one pick this year unless he took a quarterback or whatever, you know, and you see like, you know, just the things that he did in hindsight. But it, do you guys think that it, at this point that the failure is so spectacular uh, that it's better to cut ties with, with those three levels, the bottom three levels? Dan, why don't you go first? Because I, I, I don't think I, polls is getting cut. I don't think uh, uh, even if Eberflus gets either. it. Poles is getting another chance because he's considered he a, a bright young, you know, general manager. Plus, yeah. you have to take into consideration uh, that he's a minority, uh, and in a league that's trying to promote diversity. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the only reason he should have his job because that's craziness. I'm not saying that, but uh, most white general managers are not getting fired after year two. So I mean, it would make it would look terrible from a PR perspective for the Bears, even if Kevin Warren is also black and fires him. You got to give this guy some time. You hired him as the general manager. I mean, Ryan Pace was here from what twenty, what fourteen, fifteen years, didn't he? Pace four or five years. He got more than that. It was like fifteen yeah. to twenty uh, through twenty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Was he really? Yeah, through through twenty one, wasn't he with uh, Nagy in twenty one? Because yeah. Poles was 22 yeah. and now. Yep. Yeah. So well, he had six or seven. Higher Nagy, though. I mean, uh, Pace. Well, I'm, I'm just saying Pace got so many years and was awful except for one. Pace followed and, uh, uh, Phil Emery, correct? Right. And Emery had, what, uh, 11? No, no, 12, 13, and 14. He had yeah, three so years. 15, yeah. If Phil Emery got, had three years, then Ryan Poles has got to have at least three years. Come on. So uh, to answer your question, I think uh, Eberflus is a foregone conclusion. He's gone. He's a dead man walking. Yep. Fields might be gone too, uh, but I think Poles is going to still be here. 
and I think he should be. I mean, he yeah, a lot of his moves don't look good right now, but he's got to fail a little bit more before we fire him, in my opinion. Yeah, Emery and, and Pace were were failures. Uh, Emery was, you know, I remember Emery had like Bruce Arians do a mock press conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. And then uh, he had Rod Marinelli uh, hold the interviews with the uh, the potential candidates. And then yeah. Marinelli told him he should hire Bruce Arians, who went on to win a Super Bowl. Because you know? of Brady, but yeah. Right. But still, a Super Bowl winning coach. And uh, uh, Emery said, ah, thanks for the input, Rod. I'm going to hire a CFL coach, you know, mm. and then Marinelli resigned. Yeah, you know? exactly. Marinelli re- resigned over that. That's exactly how that happened. You're absolutely so, right. Uh, Here's what I think about polls. You know, polls has made it clear that he was, go- he's going to tear the roster apart. And so for anybody to think that they were going to replenish the talent in just two years is wrong. He even said before the draft, we're not going to be able to address all the things. And when Jerkovic says you need some super studs, well, he could get those super studs in 2024's draft because he might have the first and second pick or the first and fifth or the second and seventh, whatever it is, he's got, he's going to have access to really replenish this this roster the problem is is that he's done a horrible job at selecting the coach or allowing somebody else to select the coach because i know if you hired me to be the general manager and then you're telling me this is your coach i'm saying whoa whoa, 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 let's back up the card here you hired me to make the coach's selections and i will fucking pull a uh who was a McGinnis and say, I don't want the fucking job. If I'm going to fail, it's going to be on my terms. If the barroom network is going to fail, it's going to be on my terms based on decisions that I made. So that's, that's number one. Two, what has me worried is that he's made a lot of player personnel mistakes. It's not like the two rookies he got in the second round, the two defensive backs are playing great. It's not like the free any of the free aging guys that he has gotten, maybe with the exception of one or two, is playing great. There, there are, he has not, in my, in my immediate view, I, let's keep the, this draft class out because they, they still need time to develop. But of the players he brought in last year – Who's good? I can't think of anybody. So so from that standpoint, it it gives me pause. Is this guy a good evaluator of talent? Now, I I like the plan. He tore down the roster. But is he capable of replenishing that roster? We know that his decision in bringing in this head coach and approving the coordinators was awful. So. you know what, Aldo? It might be it might be the case where uh, the coaches are just so bad you can't tell whether or not he drafted good guys or not. I'm very, serious. very, so, very true. Very true. It, there's been a, I know Bear Lissimo did a, a little thing on the on the defensive backs. Like Briscoe was like, "Who the hell is he guarding? His back is to the play." You know, mm-hmm. and Jaquan Briscoe was like his top pick his first draft. Yep. I, I think yep. I don't remember, but wasn't Briscoe yep. his first pick? Uh, the highest uh, Brisco, last was, year was Brisco. Yeah, and then yeah. Kyler Gordon. Yes, yes. Right. I don't know, Dan. What do you think? Uh, based on what I said, are you giving him another break? You know, because he 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 was the whole plan is it's a three year, maybe even four year rebuild, Mister McCaskey and Mister Warren. You can't fire me. I told you that was the plan. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to buy that? Yes. He he's got another shot to get another coach and to get it right. 
his he gets another opportunity. And I know he he and Ibraflus are boys, so I I don't think he's going to fire him in midseason. The Bears have never done that unless his hand is forced, because I feel like he's going to give Ibraflus every chance of the way to earn uh, another year here. But I think ultimately Ibraflus is so bad, he, and everybody can see he's in over his head. He's going to get fired. It'll be at the end of the season, though. But I think he'll get a chance to hire another coach. And if that person fails, then he may get the boot. But as for now, he's safe. It's history repeating itself, you know. Eberflus is the John Fox hire to come in and and oversee a a crap roster rebuild and then be the fall guy. Like I said, Bears did affairs, you know. Eberflus is the fall guy, you know. And then we're just repeating ourselves. They have to throw the Bears Bears cycle. Let me repeat myself. I'm sorry to interrupt, John. Uh, no, you can fine. take it the rest of the way driving. I got I got to get to my other job. I got to work 16 more hours. Oof. But as I leave, I say, I don't care if we are 0-3. Can we please beat Denver on Sunday? I mean, yeah. come on. Give me another victory in person, please. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan, Dan, before you go, I want you to hear yeah, this. Every general manager that's won a Super Bowl in the last 10, 15 years has had the opportunity to pick a second head coach. You know, it's so, so, you know, the whole idea of just allowing one GM, yeah. one shot of the head coach is is usually not a good business choice. It's and kind of verboten, right, Aldo? It, it is. It, it's definitely ver- verboten. And then I'll say this to you, save travels to your next job, save some lives, and yeah. let's keep te- texting with one another. I promise not to talk bears to bring you No, down. no, <laughs> it's good. And I hope to see you somewhere Saturday. We Hopefully got- we can do that. You'll, you'll like Sylvester. He's a charismatic guy. And yeah, tell he'll, Sylvester he'll, I said hi, Danny. Yeah, he'll be rooting for Denver on Sunday, and I hope he's fucking really, really upset after the game. <laughs> but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> I, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I have a feeling he's probably going to be the happy one, though. It just seems to go that way. Yeah, it seems. So, uh, someone asked, who hired Eberflus? Well, I mean, Poles has insisted it was his hire, but like I said, in Bears State of Affairs, I'm not so sure. You know, yes, like I said, I could see George McCaskey. Hey, this is an interview. I'm George McCaskey. I'm going to sit down. Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Oh, yes, I like that. By the way, uh, to you asked, approval, right? <laughs> you asked me before we went live, how many games has Dan gone, gone to and what's the record? <laughs> Go ahead. Tell him, Dan. So far, the Bears are one and eight with me in attendance. Uh, I've got two more cracks this year. Uh, I'm going to refrain from buying any more tickets this year. So I will be at 11 games before this thing, thing's over with. So hopefully it'll be three and eight, you know, yeah. but it could be one and ten. Stephen yeah. Me wants to know what your favorite Taylor Swift album is. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I it. don't have an answer for you on that one. I like her big hits. Uh, you well, know. maybe we can shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> exactly. <That's laughs> and get I a like. win. There you go. <laughs> all right, brother. All right, Danny, good <laughs> I gotta go. See you all later. Thanks, all right. That's yeah. Danny I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, George McCaskey is in those meetings. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the kind of type of thing blue bloods do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their it's their team. They're the owners. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, uh, anybody who's an owner of a team can't help but know what's going on with their entire part of their business. Poor Justin, oh my god, <laughs> that look is unbelievable. Oh my god, what I gotta believe that was one, during one of the questions where yeah. he was like, "You fucking idiot! Why do you gotta ask me that?" I mean, he really bit his tongue, and that post game yep. interview. Oh, yeah. On Sunday, he bit his tongue like three or four times. He was going to say something. And he said, I yep. better not. Yep. Uh, 
I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. Yeah. And then, and then afterwards, after the, you know, uh, uh, with, uh, uh, after all the interviews are done, I'm sure like George McCassie calls like a little, a little touch point meeting here, mm-hmm. like uh progress, Ryan, how, uh, how did those uh, interviews go? You know, I really like that Eberflus cat. <laughs> Saying, that's the kind <laughs> yeah. of shit that happens, you know. No, you're absolutely right. You know, if you've you been right. in the uh, in the uh, in the business world, you know, out in corporate America, that's the kind mm. of shit that happens. No, bears oh, pride oh, I, I could tell you so many stories <laughs> where I had, uh, you know, I, I was in charge of hiring guys for uh, guys and gals for my department, and there were a couple of times where I was just overruled by my boss because yeah. he just happened to like this person better. I'm like, but that person is not as qualified as the person I'm recommending. Yeah. And, and oh, I don't even want to go yeah. back down those four memories. Yeah. I mean, like, like Fox was forced on Ryan Pace, you know, that's, that's a uh, uh, yep. general, general knowledge. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, I've always said for a long time on, on Barham, uh, Ryan Pace, when he got his, his chance to hire, a coach, he hired Bat Nagy because him and the two wives got along, you know? Yeah. That was a bit, he had my wife and, and Matt Nagy's wife, they really hit it off, you know? And I, I said on the on tailgate bitch session, I don't care if the wives got out. I want them to, I want you to hire the best football guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I want you to hire somebody because your wife will have someone to pal around with or go shopping with. I don't yeah. give a crap. Indeed. So. All right, Tooch, I want you to talk yeah. about some of the shows that you're involved in. Oh, you're man. involved in two other shows here at the Barroom oh, yeah. Network. A lot yeah. of people know about them because I'm really proud of what the Barflat Tailgaters are doing and yeah. your show on Fridays, the weekend Spurs. I'm, like on, I'm on four shows right now. I'm so busy. I'm thankfully my thankfully my wife uh lets me uh uh do this. I tell you, know, it's football season, it's only four months, you know, where I'm gonna be working my ass off, you know, doing mm-hmm. all this stuff and uh uh, so Friday night coming up, we have uh, weekend sports betting tips, which I, I think the guys, uh, Anthony and Sean and I want to call it barroom sports betting tips, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So uh, maybe that. we'll Let's... work on a new open, you know, get the, uh, you know, just uh, repackage the one we had last year. Yeah. And then, uh, 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 that's Friday night, seven central. And then, you know, I'll pop in on the barfly tailgate, you know, and talk with uh, uh, Eric Kurt and the boys. And uh, mm-hmm. last night was on the uh, the, the, the pop up show. What's <laughs> the pop up show, right? Yes, you know? indeed. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, yeah, you know, the South Burbs Hitmen uh, canceled their show, and I thought, well, let's yeah. talk some bears tonight. So I asked the bar. Yeah, why not? It was actually KB that texted me and said, "Hey, if you guys are doing a show tonight, I'm in." And so I, I figured, yeah. let's have the Telegators come on. So it worked Joe, out great. Uh, you guys were fantastic. Joe got a couple texts, Dakota. <laughs> that's right <laughs> it was too busy you know getting ready for those but uh, i know <laughs> mike north then, yeah. uh, it does a show called somebody big just died and every time yeah. he, i used to do a show with him every time somebody big just died yeah. he sent me a text saying dakota dakota that was a secret password <laughs> now now joe gets stuff because he calls the, the show with him. <laughs> right and then fantasy football goon on sunday right after tailgate i tell you that tailgate open man i just sit and watch that food sizzling Mm-hmm. I get so hungry, but I gotta tell you, I'll, there aren't a lot of people who are bringing salmon with capers and a spring. I know. To a tailgate. <laughs> Even though I love that, I don't. There's meatball fans are not making salmon. Yeah, maybe I should change that shot to something else, right? <laughs> I love it though. I love it, yeah. Maybe Seahawks fans. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I gotta that's tell right. you, 
Uh, Seahawks uh, fans definitely with the salmon with the and mollusk. Yeah. mollusk yeah. I think it's you know, uh, I've been watching a show, and I, I think you'd really like it, Aldo, you and Donna. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called uh, uh, Poker Face. It's on Peacock. Okay. Have, do you know the, uh, the show? No, uh, have we have Peacock, it? though. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, what, ever, what's it about? You, did you see Russian Doll with uh, N- yeah. Natasha Leone? Yeah. Oh, she is a character, man. She's a little fire firecracker. Oh, she's in it. She stars in Poker Face, and she is so funny. And a- every episode is a mystery mm-hmm. that she's got to solve. And she has this, like, I don't know if it's, like, intuition or superpower ability, but she can tell when someone's lying. Mm-hmm. Though she comes across all these people in her, you know, she, the first episode's in Vegas, you know, and there's a, there's a subplot going, too, where uh, – Adrian Brody's like a casino manager and they fall out and stuff and he's having her hunted down, you know, okay. it's got a good cast and Natasha, you know, she's so cute. She's so funny. And she's got that gravelly voice. And there's all her comments to people's faces are hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then she solves the mystery and she knows when someone's lying. She's just like, I see, I, I know you're lying to me. And I, no, then she gets, she gets, uh, she just has to solve the mystery. You know, it. so it's funny, man. It's called yes. Yeah, Great premise. Yeah, Donna will Tin like Pan, that. Tin Pan Dog, man. He's got a good show. That's right, man. <laughs> it's funny as hell, man. She's so funny. She's yeah, so funny. She, and it's she's good. The very talented. Oh, yeah. she's so funny. Yeah. Her faces I, are hilarious in this. Her comic faces are so yeah. funny. She's in a commercial now where she's walking down the street with long red hair and a really cool looking suit. I forgot what the commercial is about, but she looks so cute. And she turns around towards the camera or towards somebody behind her and does a little wink. She's she's such a cute woman. Yeah. I remember seeing her as a child actor in a couple of movies and thought she's she's got a career. So yeah, her voice her. is so funny too. She is so tell, funny. Tell us about uh, fantasy football goon. Fantasy football goon comes on right after Barfly Tailgate. Joe uh, Mandel and Adam Shaman, and myself. Uh, answering all the questions and yeah, yeah it's a modern day Columbo, Stephen, right? That's right. Steven yeah. yeah. Modern day Columbo. Come, yep. uh, Steven's been watching it too. Very cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, we actually have been getting like so many questions. We barely get to our, like uh, our favorite picks for the thing, but mm-hmm. I'll give out prop plays too, man, on that show. So if you want prop plays for prize picks, or DraftKings, or FanDuel or whatever, I'll give out my favorite props, you know, you Love should give it. out, five or six, you know, as we go through the games. And you guys now have a weekly uh, feature uh, yep. on Mondays yep. or Tuesdays. It's released. I'll show you a You got clip. a promo, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually the first episode. It's uh, only Hold two up. minutes long. Here it comes. All right. Hey guys, Joe Mandel, the goon here for Fantasy Football Goon with your week four waiver wire pickups. And your number one pickup has to be the fantasy stud, Devon Akane. Absolutely ripped apart the Denver Broncos this week. 22 touches, 233 yards, four touchdowns. He's going to be a big part of this Miami offense. Sure, he's behind Raheem Mostert, but this is a guy you're going to want. He's going to get his touches. And you saw what he can do this week, so get your number one claim in on him. Uh, my number two claim is going to go for Tank Dell, wide receiver from the Texans. Caught five of seven targets this week. He scored a touchdown. C.J. Stroud loves him. Uh, C.J. Stroud, also a waiver wire pickup for me. A great backup to have in fantasy. Surely going to help you down the stretch. And he's looked really, really good. Best of the rookies. Rookie of the year candidate for sure right now. Um, 
And of course, my third waiver wire pickup is Joshua Palmer, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, just came out. Mike Williams officially out for the season with a torn ACL. So Joshua Palmer is going to come into that offense, fill in as that number two wide receiver, and he's going to be valuable for you. So he's a guy you're going to want to add. He's tied for my number two pickup with Tank Dell. Uh, I'll put Josh Palmer at number two and Tank Dell at number three. Really close. But you want to get one of those guys in your lineup. Pick them up this week. They're surely going to help you. As for Mike Williams, if you're his owner, drop him. He's out for the season. Unless you're in a dynasty league, you're going to be getting rid of him. So, unfortunately, Mike Williams out. Joshua Palmer in. These are the guys you want to add in fantasy this week. Good luck on your claims. We'll see you for Fantasy Football Goon on Sunday morning, 1045 a.m. Central, all the way up to kickoff, answering your questions every single week. God bless football. God bless America. Let's kick some ass. Great, Joe Mandel. Oh, you're muted. Uh, thank you. My radio son, Joe Mandel. <laughs> That's right. You guys have been <laughs> friends and partners for yeah. many, many years. We were a package deal. We made all the take, uh, take each other when he brought us on board. <laughs> That's right. Joe, Joe looks like he could be my sons, and, and you look like you could be my brother <laughs> or, or, or somebody I owe money to. <laughs> yeah, we, we pitched, uh, we pitched a, a fantasy football show to you in 2017, and Joe and I have been doing it pretty much ever since. How about that? How about years. that? Yep. And so that feature is going to come out on Mondays and or Tuesdays, uh, waiver wire uh, suggestions for all of you fantasy football players. And it's really, really tough for me to play in a league with Joe because he's putting in a claim for the very same players that I'm looking <laughs> for them. I should pick up. It's like, gosh. Oh, yeah. I wonder if I have. Hold on a second. You kicked my ass, by the way, last week in fantasy I got lucky. Football. You were winning. I, got, I came from behind. You did. You yeah, got lucky. But... I, I don't like it when people come up. <laughs> come behind. up. <laughs> trying to find uh but i'm two and one and uh unfortunately i don't know how that works but i got the 12th wa waiver wire pick so i won't get any of those guys that he just mentioned uh yeah so, I'm, i have 11th wire picks so i get yeah and you got a three and oh record i got a two and one record why am i 12th is it because i took somebody last week must be yeah i think so yeah. yep i don't like it see when it I works like find, that i can't find that I had a there was like a, a the original fantasy football goon theme song that mm -hmm. uh, uh, Joe and I wrote and sang and played all the instruments. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, see if you can find that. That is fun. Um, by the way, uh, if you are not uh, subscribed to the Swift Sports Network, you really, really should be. It is a Swifty. great, great channel. Uh, daily reports, uh, very, very analytical very smart it's it's you know i hate to say it because i'm an old newspaper guy and uh an old uh you know old media guy uh but you don't need the sun times and tribune if you subscribe to the swift sports network he's keeping you on top of everything so uh keep up the great work there swifty i'm not even sure i know swift's first name do you know, know dan it? i think it's dan isn't it Dan Swift, another Dan? Oh no! Yeah, he just posted something. Now we gotta have to be careful because there's been an imposter uh, coming on. See how his handle is Swift Swift Sports Network. There is one that comes on that's called Swift Sports 
net no work. And he'll say things like, Bears should extend Eberflus. And it's like a lot of people in the chat room are saying, wow, I never thought I'd hear you say that, Swifty. That's <laughs> Don Burr, I think. Burner account. Right? <laughs> that probably is. That probably is. I wouldn't put it above him. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's Joshua. That... His name is Joshua, not Dan. Oh, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> He says nobody knows. We're the first. You heard it here first on the Byron Network. It's Joshua. He looks like a Joshua. Does he? Okay. Yeah, you ever yeah, seen him? Yeah. He was on uh, he was just on the show a couple weeks back. Yeah. Let me see if the, this is the is this the right song? Hold on. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't hear it. It's weird. I can't hear anything. Can I hear it? <laughs> Who'd you get to do touchdown? Touchdown. That's sexy. That's uh, uh um Joe's wife. Now. Oh wow! Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's done acting in the past. So yeah, I can see. Why is it blank again? I, I didn't press it. Oh, did you load it? Uh, is it playing twice right now? Yeah. I did, I, does it just repeat? Well, you got to turn off the loop okay. uh, button. Sorry about uh, that. No, no problem. <laughs> Joe and I wrote, uh, wrote the song and uh, uh, played the parts. Mm-hmm. I got to remember <laughs> to play uh, some of our drops during the course of the show. But yeah, these I gave three, you three that, new ones. Yeah, these three are, are absolutely <laughs> sensational. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Game <laughs> over, man. We're going to call it quits for this episode. Tucci, want, anything else you want to plug? Uh, you're, uh, you're on mute. Uh, want to plug your uh, uh, John Santucci VIP? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, had a huge. Ah, you muted it again accidentally. It just, uh, you went into mute automatically when you started talking about how much money you're winning. So when, so by, you're still muted. There you go. All right. I wasn't pressing anything. I forgot. It, it, uh, it just uh, magically went by itself. I had a huge uh, um, uh, Saturday. It's like almost 16 units plus. It's like five, three five-unit plays, and they all hit uh, last weekend. So it was big. Uh, I was going to – I forgot the flashes before Danny went to the the, uh, the ball game. I was going to suggest to Dan, instead of wearing a jersey – Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect. Murray Langston, Aldo. Yes, send him that. The great, <laughs> uh, what was his name? Uh, the Unknown Comedian. The Unknown Comic. Yes, Unknown Comic. There it was uh, Make Me Laugh. Do you remember that TV show? Uh, was it? Well, I first it, saw him on The Gong Show. The Gong Show, yes, yeah, on The Gong Show. And then there was Make Me Laugh, where you, if you laughed, you lost. You know, if you, yes. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was one of the guys that would come out and make people laugh and stuff. Yeah. The Unknown Comic. He was funny yeah. for a couple oh, of years. He was, the be he was one of the best ones on, on uh, 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 The Gong Show. Yeah, because The Gong Show yeah. was the same thing. He'd come out and make you laugh. They banged The Gong. If your act was, yeah. if your act was bad, they banged The Gong, you know? Yep. That's a hilarious show. <laughs> Um, none of the none of these kids remember that show, Aldo. No, of course not. I know I know Joshua doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I changed the uh, before we get out. I changed the Bears cycle. Yeah, I saw this because it did say Matt Nagy. Now it's right. just like generic 
coach, you know? There you go. So this is the cycle. Why don't so you read we're, it out we're, for we're, uh, Hopefully we're here. I'll beat up. We're in between call for coach to be fired right. and beat up on a bad team. I think. Yeah. I think, although. So those of you listening on audio podcasts, uh, Tucci's cycle yeah. is lose in embarrassing fashion. Then you move over for the call for the coach to be fired. And yeah. then you move from there to they beat up a bad team, like the Broncos maybe. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the coach keeps his job Eber, for another Eberflus week. Eberflus is great now, man. Eber, you see the coaching job that Eberflus did after he beat Sean Payton? <laughs> That's right. Fucking Sean, Sean Payton. Payton. That's right. And, and then, then, then against the commanders to yeah, get their Ron asses. Rivera kicks our ass on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, you and I know how it's going to go already. That is right. Well, you authored that. Eh? You're very perceptive because you're absolutely right. Absolutely right yep. by that. All right, that All guy right. is Johnny Santucci. Uh, Dan Aguirre was with us before. Yep. My name is Aldo Gandia. What's on tap for tomorrow? We oh, we got some great yep. stuff. Phone fifty-five, tomorrow. right? Phone 55 at 7.30, Mac and Reed at 6. These times are all central. And then Bardon Hockey Talk, your uh, old buddies, yeah. the Parisi, Vinny yeah. Parisi and uh, Frank Mueller talking hockey. And this is going to be a really exciting hockey season. We're not going to yeah. win a Stanley Cup in Chicago, but we've got some really good guys. Connor Bedard, right? Yeah. This guy's Hope looking like he could be one like of the it. all-time yeah. greats. Yep. Yep. Hopefully we don't mess him up like Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> it, it only would happen in Chicago. No doubt about it. All right, everybody. God bless. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.